Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Spelar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores Karlsson, MVP, the fantasy hockey robot himself. Welcome back to Keeping Carlson after a well-deserved week off, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone. You know, any podcast with you happens inherently during All-Star Weekend. You're just that good at what you Aww. do. So I'm privileged to have you as a as a podcast buddy. And uh, I'm very happy to be back in the saddle for, yeah, our, our stunning and sterling recap on all of the All-Star action from the weekend. This episode is going to be all about the all-star game which i think <laughs> happened on could you imagine if we actually did it? it's not We're so brian uh, closure won the all-star mvp <laughs> is that a sign that he's about to take off and lead the league in points like yeah we should read into the stat lines from the all-star game and, and find any fantasy relevance in there And then we're also going to discuss exactly how the Metropolitan team should distribute their $1 million winnings amongst each team member based on their fantasy contributions. Strap in. It's going to be a wild ride. (laughs) Okay. We kid. We're going to try our best to make a fun show. Obviously, there haven't been too many NHL games since my last episode with Scott Cullen, which is awesome. Thanks again, Scott, for coming on. Uh, So instead, Brian and I decided we're going to do something a little different for this week's show. We're going to take a look back on the season. We thought the lens we'll look at it in is Brian did a fantasy draft for the Tier 2 of the Cupfold. It's called Tier 2 Ottawa, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. I did a draft in Tier 1, which was an auction draft, which uh, regular listeners from the show already know all about that because we did a whole show broadcasting that draft. So we thought we would take a look at Brian's draft, which was a snake draft, go through each round and pick out one player that was like the best pick from that round and one player that was the worst pick from that round with the goal of making, I guess, an all-star team and a, and a no-star team or all-dud all team of the best and worst picks. And I think it'll be fun to just go back, kind of see which players were ranked too high going into drafts, which players were ranked too low. And then we obviously Brian and I can discuss if we think that uh, we were just wrong at the start of the season or are these players that seem like they were such great or terrible picks, are they going to go back to our expectations from the start of the year? So I think it's going to be a really fun journey back through the tier two Ottawa draft. So that's the plan for today. Of course, before we get to it, let's mention quickly that Keeping Carlson is very proudly presented by DauberHockey.com, your number one website for all of fantasy hockey. I don't understand how you can even play fantasy and be successful without checking out that site every once in a while great articles i love the daily ramblings the tools at frozen tools are fantastic so check it out dauberhockey.com but with that brian this is your draft so i feel like we should just start with what it was like for you going back looking through each round i gotta imagine there's some moments of thinking wow i really nailed that pick and other moments of wow i really blew it any any general takeaways on your end and obviously as we go through in this episode we'll like remind people or tell people what the picks actually were but just any overall takeaways from looking through this draft from a few months ago 
yeah, unfortunately, there were a lot more of the the <laughs> the moments of the variety of oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Like there are several rounds where I can make an argument I made the worst pick. And going back and trying to learn lessons from this was uh, insightful and painful. And I, I hope to share that pain uh, for the common good, of course, to see how things go. But it is crazy to look back uh, at the draft. You know, we're halfway through the season. Sometimes we do it at the end. And I actually think it's really good uh, for everyone to take this uh, midseason checkpoint, because obviously we're going to feel different about some of our picks by the end of the season. And it's pretty good to look at it while it's still kind of fresh and the draft wasn't that long ago that we can still remember what we were thinking about these players when they were picked. Uh, I'm very happy to name my mistakes on this upcoming episode. And, uh, you know, I think I had a couple hits too that I'm feeling pretty happy with. Um, But on the whole... Yeah, draft strategy is is a fun thing to think about. I mean, there's definitely some positional sort of lessons to be learned uh, about, you know, when to take a goalie and when to take a defenseman and when to take forwards. And also the the thing I found most interesting, and we'll get to this like as we go, I'm not going to announce it now, but to find the moment at which it's time to start making those less safe picks. Like you want to make safe picks through the first round, through the second round, through the third round. But there is a sort of tipping point where uh, you're going to want to start trying to take swings that are a little bigger, but you probably don't want to jump and start reaching before that tipping point. And also, I was also finding Elon like, you know, defense went fast, and uh, especially in this draft. And a lot of people were guessing, uh, we'll get to round four, and there were a couple big duds picked in the fourth round on defense in this draft. And it's uh, that, that to me is what I'm really trying to learn a lesson about here, because there's some good defensemen who went a lot later, and some good defensemen who went a lot sooner, and then a lot of guys who were kind of in the middle between uh, between those great guys on, you know, bookended by the great guys at the start and great guys at the end, who I want to try and figure out how to better avoid next time around. Uh, I actually did a pretty good job avoiding them this time around, but I need to repeat that for the next time because I, I think I might have just gotten lucky. So I'm also interested, Elon, as an outside observer to hear your overall, like, do you have a, an overall takeaway from the draft results before we, you know, dig into the round by round looks to pick our all stars and all duds teams? <laughs> yeah, I guess my big takeaway is I'm taking a look. I looked at both the results from each round. I also took a look. I made a sheet. We have a spreadsheet here that we're going to share with all the patrons on Discord. We actually already did uh, where I also listed all the top undrafted players like all the undrafted the forwards defensemen and goalies and like my real takeaway I think that I jump away with is that there are so many great forwards that didn't get drafted which really makes me think that maybe the right strategy going to these drafts is like obviously get your studs right get your McKinnons if you can like Patrick Kane even though he's been kind of a dead we'll maybe talk about him Brady I don't know I'm just mentioning some star like obviously you want to get your star forwards but I think there's a point in the draft where it's almost like worth it to tell me if this is crazy Brian like maybe draft like one more defenseman than you plan to roster and one more goalie than you plan to roster so like you're saying you might end up with a dud defenseman that you beat yourself up on so why not just take multiple like in like round six round seven grab a couple d even though you really are thinking for your roster construction you don't need it because I feel like you'll just drop that defenseman and you'll have some great skaters like I'm just gonna name some skaters that didn't get drafted in your draft we've got Matt Duchesne who's been like a huge star all season we've got Alex Tuck who obviously that's maybe 
be a different story because he was injured, but he's been amazing lately. Like, like Duclair's had an amazing season. Boone Jenner, we talked about, you know, for the first few weeks of the show, be like, can Boone Jenner keep this up? We haven't even mentioned Boone Jenner for a couple of months because he's just been like this, like, really solid presence. You know, Erod, Evan Rodriguez, like, Barbashev, like, Jeff Skinner. There's like a lot, like, you could build a pretty solid second half of your forward core just from the undrafted players. So I think, obviously, this assumes that you're good at fantasy and you're good at playing yeah. free agency and getting these <laughs> players and that's but I think my strategy that I might try next time I'm in a snake draft or maybe even an auction draft and I don't know yet I, I'm just like thinking this through as I came up with it but I think that there might be something to like draft extra defensemen and extra goalies even though you don't need so many figure out in the first week or two who's a hit who's a miss and you'll probably be wanting to draft some of these awesome forwards you know like pretty quickly you'll want to pick up you're even like um uh what was lucas raymond drafted i'm gonna have to look down here like i feel like or maybe he was in the very last round anyways i guess guess you were just saying oh michael bunting is one yeah yeah i was gonna say like you said figure out in the first week or two who's a hit who's a miss that's the tricky part right because i can load up on defense and but picking the sweet spot of when to give up on my defender and buy in on a hot forward is really hard right i yeah, mean this year easy. though we saw some guys stumble right out of the gate and never recover like of course shikran and petrie are the big the, the big examples but those wouldn't be the guys you'd be dropping i'd guess you'd be dropping your fifth or sixth d picks to to beef up on forward and you have uh in, in the cupful, you have 13 other managers racing like you named you named a, a solid assortment of guys like you know there's also ryan hartman and troy terry and marcus Foligno and adrian Kempe. like all these guys were available in free agency but i don't know that if there's you know one per manager of a guy who's of you know season-long hold quality so you've got to be not just really good it's not just about being good at at playing free agency it's about being lucky too right because you know like it's every one of these guys is a lotto ticket and some of them pay off right away some of them pay off a couple weeks down the road um but i agree that it, it i mean we know we know it's a lot easier to find forwards at a free agency than a defenseman who's going to be able to make big contributions we know that goalies sometimes appear in free agency but not so like forwards are the least scarce resource so yeah if you want to leave one part of your team to fill in after the draft you can look but it's just hard if you're if your plan is to load up on defense and you know f- figure it out in two weeks it's not a i don't think it's quite as easy as it sounds right i think another thing might be also that if you load up on defense maybe it'll be easy to make a trade early on when people start realizing oh man i definitely don't have enough defense and there's all these good for you know like i'm thinking of like when lucas raymond uh, shot out of the gauge you know like all these like good forwards and people like were having to drop people i don't know anyways just a thought like i'm looking at my cupful team and it's like it's pretty crazy like a lot of my best players are people i grabbed out of free agency but like all forwards yeah. right i have like brat a uh, boldy Atkinson, uh, Duclair. Like, it's like, I, I don't know how I got, like, you know, I got lucky, I guess, and I, I picked up these guys. But in the meantime, I still just have good old, or not maybe even old Darcy Kemper as my goalie. Then I grabbed Francois at some point. I really wish I would have just drafted you know, another goalie at some point instead of all these like forwards. I ended up dropping a bunch of forwards. Anyways, those are some general takeaways. I guess this will be fun to uh, dig into round by one. So Brian, with that, uh, are you ready to get going here? Yeah, let's do it. So again, for anybody, just to remind the format, so we're going to go through each round, and from each round, we're going to choose one player to to nominate to our all-star team of that round. So we're compiling a team 
from one player from each round to make our all-star team, our all-star fantasy draft team. And we're going to do it on the opposite end too. So we're going to find one player who was the dud, the no star of the round and put them on a separate squad too. Okay, so let's do this. Round one, uh, you know, so I guess no no terrible picks here, of course. A couple that we can nitpick over, but like basically it went uh, McDavid first, McKinnon, Dreisaitl, Matthews, Kucherov, which this was before he was injured, though I'm sure Ian is, uh, you know, happy to have him now if he still has him. I haven't checked actually the roster currently, but then, then Pasternak, Rantanen, Ovechkin, Marner, Patrick Kane, Panarin, Barkov, that was you, and Marchand and Debrinkit to end the round. So no shortage of options for the best pick. This is not going to be a round where we're like someone got a huge steal. Like I think the best pick here, it's pretty clear between a couple of players. Uh, who, who did you go with for your best pick on this round? My best pick, I mean, obviously I could be bored. Like I could, I could do the obvious and say Connor McDavid. It's hard to say that I would take any of these guys over McDavid if I was redrafting again right now or at the start of next season. But if I did have to pick somebody different, I would go uh, and take a look at Austin Matthews, especially in leagues that are goal heavy. Uh, being able to get a player like Austin Matthews uh, outside the top three picks let alone outside the top pick, is incredible, right? The guy's on pace for 105 points, which is nothing new. Last year, Matthews paced for 104 points. The year before, he paced for 94 points. And he's got 29 in goals in 40 games this season, which, again, is nothing new. So he's, he's, he's trending for almost a 60-goal season, uh, with 19 power play points in 40 games. So he could very well approach, you know, the 35 power play point mark, too, Everything just looks amazing for him, and everything looks amazing for a lot of these first-round picks, so I'm not saying one over the other, uh, but Austin Matthews has been uh, an incredible value at fourth overall, and if I were redrafting today, I think, you know, like going into the season, it was, who are you going to pick first? Probably McDavid, and then there was Matthews and Dreisaitl and McKinnon and Kucherov sort of all lumped together as the next group, and I guess Pasta was in there too. Uh, I think Matthews has probably leapt to the top of that group, uh, just by virtue of continuing to do what we've seen him do already for a couple seasons. Uh, so uh, it's not that we needed to wait to be a believer, but I think he has just continued getting better and better. He's just 24 years old, right? This is the prime of his career. And it's uh, it's really exciting to see him do his thing, getting average, also averaging over four shots per game over 40 games, which is uh, incredible. So Austin Matthews, I think, is amazing. I think if I had to pick uh, my nominee to the All-Star team, you know what? Fine. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go Austin Matthews. Yeah, I mean, if we're going by average couple points per game, then yeah, Austin Matthews is at the top of the list for the whole league right now, even ahead of Connor McDavid. He's played 39 games and McDavid has played 41. So overall, uh, McDavid is edging him out in points. But yeah, in terms of points per game, Matthews is the top pick. So yeah, even if McDavid ends up with a few more points on the season, obviously all these goals, like you said, are going to give it to Matthews. I'll agree with you. Honorable mention, I'd say to Alex Ovechkin, picked eighth overall, who was like really just like right behind him and having this monster season himself, which, I mean, it's like, it feels weird. Like, I can understand why he didn't go in the top five, and I wonder what's going to happen next year. Like, if he continues this for the rest of the year, is he a top five pick, or do people worry that he's still going to slow down? I guess you The thing is, like, with top five pick in fantasy, you really can't go wrong. Like, all the players have been good. Like, McDavid, McKinnon, Dreisaitl, Matthews. Obviously, Kucherov got injured, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, McDavid. Uh, Pasternak had that slow run, but he's been, like, super hot now, one of the hottest players in the league. So 
Yeah, it's uh, not too much to debate here. Let's go to the worst pick in the first round. And Brian, I guess if I have to pick one, it's going to have to be Patrick Kane, right? That, that's my pick. I'm curious if you'll agree, but he's played 42 games and he has 42 points. So obviously that's good. I guess actually, it's just like of all the people in this round, he's the one who seems to have the lowest points per game. I guess you can say Debrinkit, but I'm going to give it to Patrick Kane just because he was drafted a little bit earlier. Yeah, 41 points in 42 games, all from these last like four games that got him back up to this point per game, right? He was like really cold for a little bit. And just like we predicted on the show, right? Like, I mean, things started going in for him. He had a stretch where he was taking all those shots. Nothing was happening. Uh, but now in his last four games, he's had a, two assists versus Detroit, had two goals and an assist versus Colorado. So that's gotten him back on track. But yeah, he's my pick. No star of uh, of the first round. Patrick Kane, what do you think? Patrick Kane is also easily my no star of the top round. He's seeing a, a big dip in his five-on-five scoring. And one secret about Patrick Kane this season and last that I, I don't think anyone's talking too much about except us here on this show is that Patrick Kane is not shooting as dangerously as he always has at five on five. This is a guy who's made a name of for himself as a super threatening, dangerous goal scorer, can score uh, anywhere, anytime. And this year he's he's losing that. I mean, he is paying extra uh, for, you know, that slide, I think, because he has a shooting percentage that's below what it should be. He's shooting just above 6% at five on five when normally he can shoot closer to 10%. But really, uh, Patrick Kane is not holding up his full end of the bargain either. Another noticeable piece from Patrick Kane this season and last is that over that time, Kane's on-ice expected goals rates are lower than ever. Like, he's in pretty rough territory. The Chicago is not doing great with Patrick Kane on the ice, especially compared to what they have historically done with Patrick Kane on the ice. Last year, um, when Patrick Kane's on-ice numbers were similar to this year, uh, Kane had an on-ice shooting percentage that was above 10%, so that papered over that, and he and his line mates produced one goal for 60 minutes above their expected number. But this year, Kane seeing a less friendly 7.5% on-ice shooting percentage, and that's exacerbating the problem. And Patrick Kane's actual goal production and that of his teammates is more in line with the expected number. Um, so it's been a it's been a bad season for Patrick Kane. It's not just bad luck. It's been a bad season. And this is actually going to be theme, I think, throughout this episode. Chicago, everyone, is a disaster. A disaster. They are not a good hockey team at all. You do not want to have to be relying on their players for your key fantasy production, and especially if you picked them in the first round. The the flip of this is I'm not sure because Chicago has been so bad that this is all Patrick Kane's fault and that he can't, you know, reverse course next season, but he does turn 34 years old in November. So that's early in the next season. And these are the sorts of numbers that are going to push Patrick Kane out of being a top round talent. In fact, I could see uh, if this keeps up, I could see a very clear argument for pushing Patrick Kane into the second round and welcoming some of the other guys we've talked about this season is who've really established themselves. For example, Kyle Connor or uh, even Jake Gensel. You know, there are players who I think are ready to perhaps dethrone Patrick Kane for being a first round fantasy talent. 
Yeah, well, and there's also some players who were generally number one, number two picks, like a Sidney Crosby, who was pushed to the second round, that maybe people are now thinking, yeah, maybe you should have stuck with Sid over Patrick Kane. He obviously has had more to give so far this season. There's a lot of seasons to go, and like I said, Kane is coming off a really hot stretch, so we'll see if he can keep that going. I guess with Chicago also, it's like some of these players that we were expecting to be like huge deals just haven't really panned out yet, like Kirby Doc. When's the last time we've talked about him on the podcast? Like, uh, hopefully one day he'll be able to be this awesome center for Patrick Kane. But now it's like Dylan Strome centering Kane and not Doc, because I guess it wasn't working. So that's, that's not that's great. It. That's it too, right? Because Patrick Kane, when he's struggled in the past, uh, and he's been, he's, been, he's been able to produce with, you know, subpar centermen. But in the past, he's always had Jonathan Taves going as, you know, sort of a fallback plan. And that fallback plan is now shot to pieces with the way Taves is playing. And exactly, Elon, you've got Strom, uh, you've got Doc. There's, there's, there's upside, there's potential, but completely unrealized. Like, I don't see, especially as Kane, you know, gets older, I would love to know that there is someone reliable that can steady, steadily center him to superstar numbers, which isn't a big ask. Artem and Isimov could do it at one point when Kane was better, but Kane has slipped a little. So now he might need uh, the center to do a little more heavy lifting. And the team around him, too, like I said, has just been so bad. So we'll see what Chicago does in the offseason, but I'm not... Uh, I'm not sure they're going to be substantially better as a team next year, which means Patrick Kane might need to do some reinventing to get himself to be uh, the sorts of, the sort of player who you consider spending a first round pick on. Yeah, Chicago kind of went all in to get Seth Jones, giving up some key uh, future pieces. And now uh, I guess we're seeing that, you know, Seth Jones is not having a bad season, but he's definitely not like turning them into this amazing team. So they're going to need more than just Seth Jones for the next eight seasons at 9.5 million per year. By, Brian, by the way, I just traded him today in my dynasty league. I don't, I don't know if you recall the whole saga. I remember that, that was your plan the whole, the whole way, right, was to grab him and enjoy him for this year and then try and offload his contract. Yeah, but then I ended up uh, just trading him now, even though like I, I got a better rental, I think. I got Malkin and Pavelski as part of the deal, who are both uh, expiring contracts. Anyways, we don't have time for all this Elon's Dynasty League talk, though. It is pretty fun. <laughs> but okay, let's go to round two now and talk about who are the best and worst picks from this round. So I'll run down the picks. Again, it started with the same person who picked Dabrinkit. Uh, also got Zabanajad. Good pick. Kale McCarr. Kachuk, that's Brady Kachuk, Sidney Crosby, Dougie Hamilton, Max Pacioretty, who I'm not going to count, even though like he's been disappointing, I'm sure, but that's because because he's been injured. Well, I think ge- in general, Brian, we're not counting injuries, right? As a general policy here, I feel like that's yeah. unfair. Yeah, we're not okay. going to penalize anyone unless they were injured when they were drafted. Sure. You know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But if a player got injured, we can't penalize them for having been injured. Okay, Zabanajad, Makar, Brady Kachuk, Crosby, Hamilton, Pacioretty, Gansel, Vasilevsky, Huberdeau, uh, John Carlson, Steven Stamkos, Sebastian Ajo, Victor Hedman, and Braden Point round out the second round. Uh, How about I'll go first and give my top pick of the round. To me, it's pretty obvious. I'm very curious to see if you'll agree. Brian and I didn't discuss this in advance. We don't know who each other's picks are, but uh, I'm going to say Kale Makar in a runaway. He's been just insanely good. Like, just even looking at average couple points per game, he has 6.35, which is ahead of Zibanejad, ahead of almost everyone in this round, except for Pacioretty, but obviously a forward, and he's been injured, and except for Vasilevsky, who's a goalie, which is a whole other thing. Even John, okay, then Jonathan Huberdeau, who's had, like, this insane season, 6.57 couple points per game, and Kale Makar is 6.35, but the value over replacement as a defenseman, like, Makar's just been, like, 
like we knew he was great, right? But he has 44 points in 40 games, over a point per game for a defenseman. I remember when Eric Carlson hit 82 points in 82 games, and I thought this was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. And we're seeing Makar like bursting past that. Plus, like, you know, decent numbers of shots. Just what is there to say? To me, he's my obvious pick of pick of the round. Next year, he'll be a first rounder for sure, I think. I agree. Kale McCarr is a top round talent. You know, I kind of, I'll, I'll be honest, I kind of glossed over Kale McCarr in this round. And maybe I, I shouldn't have just because it felt obvious. But that's not fair. Kale McCarr is up there. I mean, I had Andre Vasilevsky as another candidate because he has delivered in what's been an impossible position to deliver in in past fantasy seasons, which is tier one goalie top notch and actually coming through and doing exactly what we'd hope he would uh, being drafted and, and actually getting him in the second round. And the couple was pretty rare. So I thought that was, uh, but we're not talking value here. Um, and then Max Pacioretty, I just wanted to shout out, although you and Scott Cullen did a great job of mentioning how great a season he's had. And we've talked on the pod the last couple of years after his first disappointing season in Vegas, how he has kind of reinvented himself and become uh, a new kind of player. who's found new ways to be offensive and threatening and scoring. But I agree. If I could have just one of these guys on my all-star team, it would be Kel McCarr. So he's on my all-star. And Elon, I actually had a tough time trying to find the no-star in this group. It was a pretty solid group of players. Um, I think Braden Point is probably the most obvious one, just because he has not been so consistently offensive the whole way through. Like, he's probably the one in this group who we fielded the most, uh, what's going on with Braden Point kind of questions. Uh, That said, he is on an 80-point pace, which is about what we'd expect from him, uh, despite, you know, maybe having a couple couple bumps in the road, especially towards the start of the season when he wasn't quite playing like a superstar. He has righted the ship, and that's why I didn't have Braden Point as my no-star here. Um, I actually went... I uh, I should go with Braden Point, actually. He is my choice. Uh, but let me just talk about a couple other players first. The first is John Carlson, who's pacing for 65 points, which compares to 69-point pace last season, which compares to 89-point pace the year before. Now, those 89 points for John Carlson a couple seasons back, those were big. We didn't see that holding. But it's frustrating to see Carlson drift further from 70 points uh, instead of at least sort of holding around there. The good news is that I think there's room for Carlson to recover, especially on the power play where, you know, he has just nine points in 43 games. So that makes Carlson pacing for his lowest power play point total, just 17 points over 82 games. That would be his lowest power play point total since the year that Washington acquired Kevin Shattenkirk to run the top unit back in 2016-17, where it was like, oh, is John Carlson actually a top power play quarterback? Of course, he's proven that he is ever since then. Also, Washington's power play with Carlson on the ice is shooting less than 10%, which is uncharacteristically low. And I think that is connected to Carlson's primary assist rate also being super low. You know, at least one of those two things is going to bounce back to return Carlson to, I think, at least uh, 20, hopefully 25 power play point pace, which would put him back towards that 70 point pace that we'd like to see Carlson hold at. So if you've been a little disappointed, especially from the power play point production with John Carlson, I, you should be, because it hasn't been what we would have wanted it to be at this point of the season, but I think there's room to recover. The other no-star consideration for me was actually Brady Kachuk. 
Um, but that's mostly about, and this is one of the reasons why I said injured at the time. He wasn't injured at the time he was drafted, but he was holding out. And so he missed a bit of the start of the season. And when he came, his first couple of weeks were not good. Like we had a lot of questions about him. Like has Brady Kachuk lost it? Uh, how much has this holdout destroyed his, his season? How long is it going to take for him to get on track? Uh, and then Ottawa had a whole bunch of games postponed right when Kachuk uh, was starting to get rolling and kick off the rust. Now, Kachuk is about to make up for that with Ottawa having uh, a big schedule the rest of the season, and he's looking really good. Uh, actually, I think Kachuk is actually looking great. He's on pace for barely even nine power play points this year. And even with that, he's putting up the kinds of numbers that we wanted Brady Kachuk to put up this season, uh, even without power play production. Uh, he had 10 power play points in 56 games last season. So having just nine power play points uh, in uh, like pacing for just nine power play points over 82 games is not sustainable. That's going to turn. And I think Kachuk's second half could be better than his first. But just thinking about how the first half went, uh, he's pretty close to a no star. So he and Carlson are the honorable mentions here. But Point takes the cake as the no star roster nominee yeah I mean I was kind of leaning towards Dougie Hamilton but again it's like that's more about injuries he has 20 points in 30 games so it's kind of like similar to a John Carlson except John Carlson's been healthy I'm sure like I agree with you like point seems fine all these picks seem like they were pretty good no big whiffs here but uh, obviously Pacioretty and Hamilton who I actually drafted both of those guys in a different league and it's been very frustrating I'm hoping the second half of the year Hamilton's still injured he was a he's been skating for a while but uh, Damon Severson continues to have that value on the top power play but I'm good with that Brian let's go to round three now so here's where things get a little bit interesting so round three started with evgeny svechnikov then tyler sagan uh then shifley matthew kachuk gabriel landeskog roman yosey uh, adam fox connor hellebuck jacob chikrin patrice bergeron mark stone kirill kaprizov 12th in the round by you brian and then elias Pettersson and nikolai ehlers rounding out that round so i'm sure a lot of people listening to this are thinking like woo when we're naming their star players that did well for them there's also a few names in there that are like were turned out to be huge grenades that have totally let their managers down some of them maybe have even been dropped to free agency depending how deep leagues were i don't think any of these guys have been dropped in the couple i'd imagine maybe sagan has sagan ever dropped a free agency in your league or has he been available has he been rostered the whole time Oh, I, I I can check while you're talking. I mean, I know he was he dropped in tier one. Yeah, he was dropped in tier one. Yeah, he uh, he was he's been traded, but he hasn't been dropped. Okay, yeah. So I feel like I'll just give even though there's okay, I'm gonna start with the no star and say it has to be Sagan considering he's been dropped in leagues I'm in <laughs> like how like and yeah like definitely honorable mention to Elias Pettersson who has been really bad this year and probably like just as bad as as Sagan really actually if you look at average points per yeah. game Pettersson's been worse than Sagan. <laughs> Sagan has actually been better like it's shocking right as bad as Sagan has been somehow he's outplaying Pettersson and also from the third freaking line or wherever he's been buried uh but you know, I think we have to sort of give Pedersen a bit of respect here and just say, like, yeah, it's a like he's definitely a no star. But Tyler Sagan was the like the dud pick of the round for sure. Like, if you're playing which one of these guys doesn't belong, it's definitely it, I, we can't not name Tyler Sagan the dud of the group, even though he is outperforming Pedersen to date. Yeah, well, also, I guess a good tiebreaker could be Pedersen was or Sagan was taken second in the round and Pedersen was taken down at 13th in the round. So you you reached 
to get Tyler Sagan when you could have had, man, <laughs> Matthew Kachuk, Landis Gog, some of these names. Like, there's some real performers here. And I think that the best pick in the round, here's my, uh, we actually have another dud here, I guess I should mention, is Jacob Chikrin, right? <laughs> so Easily. that's another. Yeah, I feel like we don't, like, we've mentioned it so many times. It's like just sort of assumed now. Uh, but yeah. yeah, Jacob Chikrin. By the way, uh, I just want to uh, put out there that Tyler Sagan was drafted uh, a lot later on average <laughs> than in this uh than it's in this draft someone someone really liked tyler sagan i mean he's had some really good uh previous seasons and i guess the hope was that he'd be able to come back from his injury and just get right back to where he was a couple seasons ago it didn't happen by the way uh, i'm being told like i said evgeny svechnikov that would have been a real uh, whiff of a pick here but no it was andre svechnikov who is having an awesome year there was like a few times on the pod and i probably should blame myself here for i would bring him up when he'd be like bumped to a weird line or bumped off the power play I'm like oh should we be concerned about this guy like overall he's he's got 38 points in 39 games he's just having a monster season so andre sveshnikov just fine but he's not my star my star brian kudos to you i think you have the best pick in the round with a bullet especially since it was the 12th pick in the round kirill kaprizov holy moly right like this guy had this amazing rookie season last year won the calder and now he's like blowing that year out of the water 53 points in 40 games it's like every game Kaprizov is having multi-point games it seems like lately he's made people like Ryan Hartman into fantasy superstars uh he's the best and I don't think it's a hot take to say that I think he's the pick of the round especially so late in the round thank you yeah this is uh this is the one moment where I'm gonna be really really pleased with myself and uh, pat myself on the back for Kiro Kaprizov who is on a 109 point pace with 53 points in 40 games, like you said, Elon, making superstars of everyone around him. You said of Ryan Hartman, how about making a point-per-game centerman of Matt Zuccarello, which is, uh, I mean, Zuccarello's better than Anisimov, but to sort of make a loose analogy to how amazing Patrick Kane has been over the course of his career, Kirill Kaprizov is just incredible himself and making everybody around him better. Every time the puck's on his stick, he's a threat to score, and I don't see any reason to disbelieve anything Kaprizov has been doing like sure you might say uh like I I could nitpick and say a couple percentages might be a little too high but at the same time this is the sort of thing we allow for with the superstar and say like yeah they can be the outliers like it's okay that Kaprizov's on a shooting percentage is nearly 14 percent because that's what elite players can do sustainably other players cannot but elite players can to some extent so uh like it looks for sure like he's on pace for a century club type season in minnesota and getting him where i got him uh, feels really good compared to some of the picks that uh, were made later down the road one honorable mention here for uh for for a great third round pick is uh roman yosi who i'm not sure uh, like I think we've talked about him on the show, Elon, but he's got he's on an 82 point pace right now. Like yeah, he's true. he's out pointing, uh, like he's outperforming Adam Fox, right? And Adam Fox is like, oh yeah, gold standard, third round, way to go. But Roman Yosi is crushing it, and this 82 point pace is coming after a 56 point pace last year, 77 the year before, 56 the year before. So he's continuing the pattern of like a year crazier a year crazier so buckle up for a 55 point season next year for roman yosi but this year 
point per game pace on the strength of his power play production, 21 power play points in 44 games. That's already his third highest power play point total of his career. And that's actually the whole story. Um, and part of that story is that Yozi has scored seven times on the power play on 37 shots on goal, which gives him a 20% shooting percentage on the power play, which is too high. But we know, like, Roman Yossi is not going to have a 40-plus power play point season. However, Nashville's power play is rolling for the first time in a long time, and Yossi never really suffered when it did go out, but he definitely can benefit when it is running as smoothly as it is right now. So just want to shout out Roman Yossi. If it weren't for Kirill Kaprizov, uh, he might be somebody that is worth putting on the All-Star team, which is nice because he's someone, you know, everyone I think takes for granted. He's like this quiet, steady defensive producer. And uh, if you have him this year, hopefully you are appreciating all that Roman Yossi is bringing to the table. Yeah, Brian, I can't believe that Yosi has got all these power play points and it's not on the back of Ellie Tolvanen and his power play savior <laughs> production. It's actually just Matt Duchesne and, and Forsberg and Granlin and company. Amazing that they fixed that top power play without Ellie Tolvanen. It's like uh, reminiscent of, you know, the headline, how the Leafs, resur- how the Leafs fixed Alex Galchenyuk and uh, Tolvanen fixing the Nashville power play was also overrated. I'm glad they finally figured it out, though. Took them long enough. I mean, yeah, they have enough talent. They're spending enough money. Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne taking home a, a nice paycheck. Uh, Brian, I guess I don't want to leave this round before. I just had to retake a look. You said that we have to give Elias Pettersson respect. Like, do we? <laughs> like, like, he's. I'm just yeah. looking recently, his last three games, he's pointless in three going into the All Star break with only two shots overall in three okay. games. Like, he's a total dud. Like, you know we're what? getting to a point soon where we're going to have to, like, forget about this, like, All Star game shtick that we're doing. I feel it's like, at what point do we just tell people to drop him in one year league? Like, I don't know if this is going to change. I think now, I mean, what I've said for the last month or so is wait until after the All-Star break and see if that gives him some time to sort of reset and feel better and get kind of a fresh start on the rest of the season. So I'm sticking with that. But Elon, I am actually going to uh, take your lead and say just because this is um, this is an uncharacteristically high pick for Sagan, I think it's it might be too much of a slam dunk to put him on the no-star team. Like, his ADP was 50th overall across Cupful divisions. And what's this? This is uh, 30th or so? So I'm, I'm going to actually strike him from being eligible for the no-star team for that reason, because this isn't representative of what most leagues did, and by a long shot, and I'm going to put Elias Pettersson on the round three no-star team. How about that? I like it. Uh, you're, we'll publish this, okay, at the end, right? I, I hope you're keeping track <laughs> of Barely. What the team I, is. I'm actually just scrolled back up to the top of my dog to start writing these names down. We'll, uh, we'll publish it. Yeah. Okay. All right, round Four. We're going to get a goalie run, or at least a short one to start. Uh, it went uh, Robin Leonard, UC Saros, Darnell Nurse, Kyle Connor, John Tavares, Evander Kane, uh, Elias Lindholm, Seth Jones, Chris Letang, JT Miller, Jeff Petrie, Tyson Berry, Aaron Ekblad, and then Shea Theodore. So a D run at the end that you wanted to be at the end of and not at the start of. Uh, this is uh, a fun round here with some high highs and some low lows. I think for the high pick, 
like I'm between two players, okay? I'm looking at UC Saros, who was drafted like pretty high, so it's not as if it was like a huge value pick, though it was like a good pick compared to like uh, Robin Leonard, who went before him. But Saros has had just like this incredible season. He's got a like a 9.27 save percentage. He plays a lot, like you know, same with Roman Yosi. Like as Nashville is just really <laughs> a really great team this year. Saros is a huge volume goalie. I'm in a dynasty league, Brian, where every goalie and every backup goalie is rostered. Like, it's impossible to find a goalie who is a regular in the NHL, and yet David Riddick was dropped, and no one has added him because he never plays. It's just it's just UC Saros, game in, game out, and every game is chef's kiss quality. So, I don't know. To me, it's between him and, like, Kyle Connor, who's having this, like, amazing, I guess, breakout season. Like, not that he hasn't broken out before, but he's above point per game. But no, I'm going to have to give it to UC Saros, especially in Cupful, where it's like, just in, but in any fantasy league, like more and more teams are like going back and forth, trading, you know, like imagine like a Sorokin, you know, barely, like barely plays compared to UC Saros. Like there's not too many volume guys. And Saros, I think it's like Saros and Shostjorkin to me are like the two, and Vasilevsky, of course. They are like the three goalies that play almost every game uh, and put up amazing numbers when they play. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick Saros. But is that who you went with? went with or did you go with the skater so i i was really between i i was between a player at at three different positions and you named two of them you named saros who has been incredibly reliable i'll I'll quibble for a second and say that nashville like you said is a really good team i'm not sure that nashville is a really good team um i will say uh, that they have been a very good defensive team, a top 10 defensive team, to the point that, yes, I'm not going to take anything away from UC Saros, and he's been incredibly valuable in fantasy, which is what this all-star team is about, because he does start every game. Like, there are a few goalies in the league that you can just count on being trotted out every single night, where, like you said, the backup isn't even worth looking at. But UC Saros, if you're um, measuring goalie performance this season by performance, like, say, percentage above expected at five on five, which is my favorite metric, he falls outside of the top 20 goalies. Can you believe that? Like, that that's just to say that his own individual performance hasn't been far and above what we could expect an average NH goal, goalie to have done in his spot. But I also think that UC Saros is probably still doing above and beyond what an average NHL goalie would be doing in his place. Maybe it has something to do with his stamina that we need to give him a little extra credit for because of all the minutes he's seen. In fact, nobody has appeared in more games or played more minutes this season than UC Saros. Or actually, I think uh, Tristan Jari has played like 50 more minutes in uh, fewer games somehow. Uh, So, all credit to UC Saros, but I want to give some credit to the Nashville defense for doing a really great job of keeping it locked in front of him. So uh, that's like a team effort, but super valuable in fantasy. Kyle Connor, we talked about earlier this season, and we sort of like just left it there. Like Kyle Connor has found a new gear. He is potentially top round talent, as I mentioned at the front of the show. Like of all the players we've mentioned so far, he probably is the player who might have the most upward mobility into drafts next season. And then the defense in round four that I was looking at was Chris Letang. Uh, Like, I kind of just want to take a moment to appreciate what he's doing, too. Just like Roman Yosi, at 34 years old, Chris Letang is putting up an 80-point pace. That would be the second highest point total of his career if it holds. 
And this comes after pacing for, you know, about 70 points, 60 points, 70 points, 50 points over his last four seasons. Uh, So this is a nice little step up from what he's done before. How's he doing it? Well, he's played an extra minute a night at five on five, which has helped him contribute there. But really, the big story here is on the power play where Latang is cashing in more than he has before. And I think there's an okay chance that he keeps doing that. So if you drafted Latang hoping, you know, settling for like a 60 point pace, uh, then you're laughing because you're getting a lot better than that. Uh, I will also mention, and I'm afraid to do it. So I think I might just whisper that Chris Latang, he's played in 42 of 46 games so far this season in the COVID season where everybody has missed at least four games. Chris Latang hasn't missed very many. So I hope that keeps up and continues um, for everybody's sake, including Chris Latang's. But I wanted to shout him out. Elon, I think, uh, I think I'm going to go with, uh, you know what? I'm going to put uh, Saros slash Connor. And then at the end of the show, I'm going to take the guy whose position we need to fill the team to be <laughs> on the all-star team. The no-star team from this round is really easy, though, right? There's just one guy sticks out like a sore thumb. There's a, I mean, sort of like a sore thumb because he was picked right before Tyson Berry, who's like sticking out like a sore index finger. Is that smaller than a sore thumb? Less noticeable. But Jeff Petrie is, uh, has had a bad year to the point that he's now being accused of playing badly intentionally to force his way out of Montreal, which, uh, as I think we've talked about before, doesn't seem like a good way to force your way out of Montreal by tanking your own trade value. Wait, who's make- saying this? I haven't heard this before. This is a crazy take. Yeah, it's okay. I don't think it's like a mainstream take. I just have come across it in a couple corners of Twitter uh, that you know are usually best unexplored. So consider yourself lucky that you haven't seen this take yet. But yes, the Montreal uh, the Montreal fan base is turning on him hard. So what's our lesson here? Uh, like last season, he had forty two points in fifty five games. Then it was announced that Shea Weber wasn't going to come back, and I think a lot of people thought, "Wow, that's going to even be a better situation for Jeff Petrie because now he's going to have all the power play time he wants," which turned out not to be the case. He actually has is getting the lowest power play share he, he has had since he's been in Montreal, uh, and he has six points in thirty seven games. Like before that great uh, sixty plus point pace season last year, the previous two seasons, actually the previous three seasons, he was a forty plus point defenseman. Is it just the fact he's thirty four? I don't know because like Chris Letang is 34 he's just fine like I, I, I I'm trying to figure out how we could have predicted this I guess like I is it like just rude to be like look like you don't draft Jeff Petrie someone who was never like a high pedigree guy like so early in fantasy because you know the wheels are going to fall off at some point or is it like easy to say you know like with hindsight yeah I think that's easy to say with hindsight uh I'm just trying to see where he was drafted on average in the cupful by the way, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, uh, kkupfl.com for more info. Uh, he was drafted, uh, yeah, 100th overall in the season before this one, where, you know, I guess everyone was still a little shy. But there seemed reason to be high on him. But Montreal has been worse than yeah, a that's lot what of us is. saw coming. Um, and I think maybe without Carey Price... He feels some of the extra burden that's had to be carried on the defensive end with essentially no goalie. Like Jake Allen has performed like maybe admirably some of the time, but that's about as good as it's gotten. So I I think that's put a ding into Jeff Petrie. Uh, But maybe that is something to consider because we knew Price was missing time, I think, around the time these drafts were happening. So if you know a goalie is going missing, maybe the lesson is... um, 
consider that it might impact their defense's ability to play offensively. Interesting. I guess also we do have the fact that like we had Patrick Kane in the first round as our no star bad team, right? We had Elias Pettersson, uh, you know, Vancouver hasn't had a good season. Now you're Montreal. I wonder if maybe there's something to be said for like wanting to have players on good teams, which I guess makes sense, but well, uh, that'll we, be something to keep track of as we keep going through. We definitely know that, but it is interesting that we thought these guys would all exceed whatever, you know, like a, well, yeah. what's, what's the persist, you know, <laughs> be resilient beyond whatever, however bad their teams would be. Well, also, but. we didn't expect Montreal to be bad. They just came from the cup finals. Like, maybe we expect them not to be a cup finalist again. Yeah. But, you know, remember when we were so excited about Cole Caulfield being a key, like, Calder candidate and so many other... Absolutely bets, nothing yeah. has worked out for Montreal this season, and Jeff Petrie has not worked out for his fantasy manager. So, sorry to you. I don't blame you for doing it, but maybe the lesson is... I like, I don't know. I don't know, Elon. I think Jeff Petrie was draftable at that point, especially considering how quickly D were starting to go off the board. Like in round four, there was a huge D run, right? And Jeff Petrie was taken just on the tail end, like I said, right before Tyson Barry. So when you're panicking and you look at the rest of the defensemen that were on the board, it wasn't a, a bad move if you were looking for your last shot at a number one defense type because Petrie had been reliable. Yeah. What, what, what are you going to do? All right. So we've still got, that was the end of round four, which means we still have uh, 14 rounds to go. We're going to get to all of them in just a sec. You're listening to Kevin Carlson. All right, we are back, Brian. Round five went as follows in the Tier 2 Ottawa Keeping Carlson Alta Patriot Fantasy League draft. Uh, Thomas Shabbat, Darcy Kemper, Igor Shostjorkin, Philip Forsberg, Alex Petrangelo, Charlie McAvoy, David Perron, Brent Burns, Brian Rust, Kevin Fiala, Morgan Riley, Sean Couturier, Quinn Hughes, and Johnny Gaudreau. I feel like there's some names in here that are interesting just because I feel like at different times in the season there would have been different names. There's definitely a point where Kevin Fiala was looking like a huge bust, uh, but he's turned it around in a huge way because of Matthew Boldy, in addition to Matthew Boldy. I don't know, but like whatever. Boldy's come up and now Fiala like can't go a game without a point. So obviously he's not going to be on the no-star team. Uh, as far as the all-stars go... Uh, I mean, Shostjorkin is there. To, I already said how amazing he is. So, like, to me, I'm going to put him, like, slash play. I'll copy you, right? I think we should just do him and a, and a skater, and then we can decide which goalies we want to put in at the end. Because Shostjorkin's been amazing. And, like, a, you know, if you could have taken him here instead of Saros and around before, I guess it's better off getting Shostjorkin since I like them both pretty similarly. Um, I think that my star is going to have to be, and I'm really surprised about this, but Brian Rust has just been, like, too amazing to not bring up. Like, uh, fifth round, and we're talking, like, uh, among some really big names here, but Rust is at 32 points in 24 games. Is that right? <laughs> He's yeah, having it is. He's season. having a 100-plus point pace for Brian Rust. So how do you decide? The goalie that I think is the front runner for the Vesna in Shostjorkin or Brian Rust, who hasn't played that many... Okay, I'm going to give it to Shostjorkin just because, uh, like... I also I'm not only doing this based on like who's been the best so far. I'm also doing this based on like just who was the best pick. I think also thinking of like who I'd want moving forward, and uh, I would still take Shostjorkin, even though I'm not to discredit Brian Rust here, but I think it's more likely that Shostjorkin continues a Vesna season than Rust continuing a hundred point pace. Credit to both of these guys for keeping Philip Forsberg at a 94 point pace as a fifth round pick. 
off like out of the discussion to this point Forsberg's also benefited from that uh increasingly hot Nashville power play and is actually like super hot right now four straight multi-point outings coming into the all-star break uh but he actually strikes me and the reason I just wanted to bring him up here is because he strikes me as uh someone who might be a pretty decent sell high candidate going into the second half of the season because his ice time is actually taking a step back this year, after we saw it rise finally last year, and we were all excited about it, finally, Philip Forsberg getting, like, line one minute, and then, like, actually, we're going to dial those back a little bit again, um, but Forsberg is covered for that by shooting 25% in all situations, uh, 27% at five on five, which has given him 24 goals in 33 games. This is a guy who's like, you know, a 30, 35 goal scorer, but right now he's pacing for like 55 or 60 goals. And that is essentially the difference between the 94 point pace we're seeing now and the 70-ish point pace that we would have expected to see coming into the season. So if you have Philip Forsberg on your team, uh, this is a good time to consider selling high on him. Uh, if we're looking to name our all-star, Elon, I will. Uh, I'm going to go Igor Shostyorkin, too. I think Brian Russ has been amazing. He's uh, he's continued to be great at five on five and is riding the super hot Pittsburgh power play. But unlike UC Soros, uh, Igor Shostyorkin, if you're looking at his uh, performance above expected save percentage, Shostyorkin's third in the league. And uh, he's behind Ville Husso, who's played half as many minutes, and Jonathan Quick, who's played about the same number of minutes and is just steadily falling in that measure after starting the season so strong. Uh, Igor Shostorkin is the reason the Rangers are where they are. He's like been an MVP, so I'm going to give him a little bonus bump because he plays for the fifth worst defense at 5-on-5 in the league. And that's why I'm going to name Igor Shostorkin as my round five all-star. Okay, yeah. By the way, we are getting yelled at in the chat for good reason by Patty. Like, we have to mention Johnny Gaudreau, who's maybe even better than Brian Rust, or very similar. Gaudreau has uh, 54 points in 42 games. So it's like what Rust has done has been great, but it's been in a smaller sample size. Gaudreau is playing the full season, and he's pacing for above 100 points. And he was the last pick in the round. So, uh, yeah, he's been amazing, and I don't see a reason to expect him to slow down, right? Calgary's really good, and they seem to be one of these teams that loads up their best players on the top line. They just put Gaudreau... I know there was that one episode where we were talking about how look they were shifting it around. It's basically Gaudreau, Kachuk, and Lindholm, uh, and they're also on the power play. And uh, I, I don't know, like is Gaudreau like a Forsberg, someone that you're looking to sell high on as well, or do you just like ride the good times? No, I think Gaudreau's looking like legitimately good this year. Maybe a, a touch too good, but he's not somebody I would be eager to get out for, like to get out from and be like, oh, I gotta sell high. He's up in a minute of ice time per night at five on five compared to last season. And uh, he's shooting more dangerously than he has at any other point in his career. And it's showing in his goal tallies. He's earned a lot of those goals that he's scored, especially at five on five. So I would not be like, if, if you're asking me who to sell first, who to sell high on, I'd sell high on Philip Forsberg. I wouldn't be feel so feeling so compelled to sell high on Johnny Gaudreau. Like if I wanted to, I could make an argument that, yeah, he's playing a little high, but I don't think you're going to get like great sell high value for him because I see a lot of what he's doing continuing through the rest of the season. As for my no star, uh, I think I'm going to name Sean Couturier as the no star here. And I know we weren't, we were going to give a pass to players who have been uh, injured, but Sean Couturier, even when healthy, 
uh, was not having a good season along with the rest of Philadelphia. And now he's missed the last little bit where there are Philadelphia Flyers actually producing uh, his points per 60 rates were like cut in more than like down by more than half his shooting percentage was down by more than half his points participation rates fell 30 percent from 75 percent to 45 percent so look this is a lot of bad variance for Sean Couturier but it's been really frustrating to hold him as the guy who picked him in this round and so for that reason, I don't know, Elon, maybe this is emotion clouding me, but I, I feel the need to name Sean Couturier to the no-star team because he's certainly been a no-star for me. I mean, to be fair, there's not like too many other options of players that have been like especially bad. Like David Perron's really slowed down recently. Uh, so I think it would be between those two, but everyone else in this round uh, has been pretty solid. So I think Couturier is a, is a very fair pick here. Uh, let's go to round six now. And here's how it went. It's another round, just like the last one where I thought Brian Rust really stood out as like the best player in the round. I'm kind of, there's a name here that maybe I need to start getting used to the fact that he really is maybe the best player in this round. See if you can pick it out as a listener here. Uh, so there's Marcia So, Rupe Hintz, Neil Pionk, Ryan O'Reilly, Jack Eichel, Zach Hyman, Blake Wheeler, Matthew Barzal, Brock Besser, Andre Kopitar, Taylor Hall, Zach Wierenski, William Nylander, and Patrick Laine. So that was round six. To me, the player who's jumping out is Rupe Hintz. Like, he's awesome. That line on Dallas, Hintz, Pavelski, and Robertson, it's, like, feels, it's all of a sudden like, become like one of the best lines in the league. Like, it just, like you know this uh, Tim Hortons hockey challenge that uh, you roped me into, and now I'm like into myself, where we, we chat on our Discord about which player is going to score a goal. It's like, for me, it's like, whenever Pavelski or like Robertson or Hintz show up I just like always want to take them uh, because they just like like Hintz has 20 goals in 41 games he's a goal in every second game he might be like the third best player on the line (laughs) but that doesn't mean that he wasn't a great value pick in this round Uh, 37 points in 41 games 74 point pace it's nice that he's playing every game as opposed to last year where he was day to day or like game time decision all the time so yeah he's my my star pick here do you agree I agree. Rubens is also my all-star from round, what are we in, six? And I I think along with Kyle Connor, I'm going to put him in that sort of class as having the best chance of rising uh, towards like next draft season for his ADP going up. Also, shout out to William Nylander, who is hard to ignore here too, but Rubens. Okay. But I want to do a shout out to New... I want to do a shout at William Nylander because... Where the, what is happening? Like, it, all of a sudden, the Leafs are scoring a million goals every single game. I don't know. I know it's just been, like, the last week or so. But it's really frustrating when they score, yeah. like, seven goals against New Jersey, like, twice in a row. And the, he doesn't get any points. I see he has an assist today You know who Carolina. had no points on, like, those 15 Leaf goals? Who? Nylander. But someone else? No, I, I feel like he had one or two. John Tavares had absolutely zilch yeah. none. So that's oh, yeah, I think it was the same. Yeah, I guess they're on the same line. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah. But uh, let's uh, but let's let me focus on Rupe Hintz. OK, yeah, okay. he's good. <laughs> yeah, he's really good. He's hit a new gear this season. Um, you know, it, it's funny because we've mentioned Dallas is a place where offense goes to die. And we've said the same about Montreal. And we're excited about them loading up a top line. Dallas, though, has gone ahead and done that with that Hintz, Pavelski, and Robertson line. The one extremely frustrating thing about it is Rube Hintz is playing just 12 and a half minutes a night at five on five, which means that right now he's 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 pacing for like 74 points over 82 games. But 
he's playing like second, even third line minutes. I said how we've always complained about Forsberg's ice time. Forsberg has never played as few minutes a night at five on five as Rupe Hintz is this season. So even though Dallas is leaning hard on that top line for their scoring, I think he has more to give at five on five. And he has, like I said, shown that he's stepped up his game from last season too, whether that's, you know, growth or health, I'm not sure. But at 25 years old, Rupe Hintz is crushing it and is absolutely my round six all-star from this group. I think he's a He's definitely worked himself into being like an automatic where I think over the last couple of years is like, oh, will he or won't he? Rupe Hintz is someone you can rely on. Yeah, I guess the next big question will be when Pavelski is not around. Pavelski is a UFA at the end of the season. So imagine if he's not there, then it'll be interesting to try to project, uh, you know, Hintz and also Robertson. Not to say that they're not great players, but clearly Pavelski has been a key player. He's the center of the line. Uh, okay, so Brian, now we got to pick a no-star on this round. Uh, it's between three guys for me. Ryan O'Reilly has been a huge disappointment, right? Like he only has, I mean, he's not been terrible, but he only has 29 points in 40 games, which is way down from, I think, what people expected. He was like drafted really high in this round. Uh, hasn't paid off Neil Pionk who you picked third in the round we've already talked about him a bunch on the show only 18 points in 39 games uh the peripherals aren't as high like I don't know he's just been kind of a bust and then I guess like Taylor Hall was in that conversation until like uh Pasternak joined his line and kind of revitalized his season so yeah it was a tough one for me I think I'm gonna lean Ryan O'Reilly just because I'm gonna give Neil Pionk the pass for being the defenseman so you get at least some value there uh but Ryan O'Reilly as a center this high I was expecting a lot more Yes, and we did talk about this on our false start for this week's episode, which is why you're hearing it a a day late due to technical troubles. But we did field some questions on our YouTube channel about how the Blues are doing and rank the forwards. And one conclusion we came to was that there's just a lot more of the wealth being shared around in St. Louis. Like Ryan O'Reilly is not playing poorly. I would say David Perron is also not playing poorly. I would say there's just more depth. And they don't need to lean on a top line or even a top six the way they did in St. Louis. And of course, that has taken away from Ryan O'Reilly's fantasy value. So there's nothing wrong here, which actually might be frustrating news for anybody who has Ryan O'Reilly on their roster. Because it's like, yeah, this is probably going to continue the rest of the season because he doesn't need to be that 70, 80 point player that he had been in the past, especially during those cup run days. Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, so that, uh, I had Taylor Hall as being my no star here, because I think even though things are going well for him right now, um, I don't think it forgives like the 80% of the first uh, half of the season that he wasn't doing anything like even with recent success, Taylor Hall's a, on a 55 point pace and Elon, like he he had a good run, but I'm actually just looking at his game log now. He has uh, pointed just once in his last four games, and he's been playing on the top power play. So I'm actually feeling pretty comfortable giving the title to Taylor Hall because I think Ryan O'Reilly is at least doing something that keeps you from thinking, should I drop this guy? Whereas Taylor Hall, I, I don't think is doing that. The other name here, by the way, is Jack Eichel, which... The answer for whether he's a no star for you personally or not is whether or not like now that I I saw today he's in a he's out of the no contact jersey. So he's full practice now. If you're in comfortable playoff position and you've been holding him all year, congratulations. You nailed that Eichel pick. If you're not, 
then uh, then maybe he's your no star. Maybe you blew it by picking him a little early in round six. I can tell you the team in my Cupful division that picked Eichel in round six is uh, fighting for their playoff life and will be over the last several weeks of the season. So I wish them all the best. And I, I liked the swing. I thought it was a good time. But I think we at least need to acknowledge that. But I'm going to, Elon, I'm going to put Taylor Hall on my no star team. Did I convince you at all? Yeah, I'm convinced. Taylor Hall sounds good. He's been a dud. He was dropped also in my couple division. I think that should be the, if you're dropped in tier one and you were picked in like the top 10 rounds, maybe that should be like you're automatically included on this list, even if you've turned around a little bit lately. And yeah, well, hey, this person that you're saying is fighting for their playoff life. If they're going to get Jack Eichel back, that's probably going to help in that fight. So it may turn out to work out well in the end and it'll be a sleeper pick to maybe win the whole division. Okay, so let's go now to round seven of the Tier 2 Ottawa draft, and it went as follows. Evgeny Malkin, Tavo Teravainen, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Jordan Binnington, Tori Krug, Tomas Hurdle, Sam Reinhardt, Drew Doughty, Vincent Trocek, Mark Giordano, Tyler Toffoli, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Jason Robertson, Ryan Pulak. So this is, we're, we're getting into now the point where there's multiple duds. Like, there's a lot of names that are jumping out at me. Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there right now that while Bjorkstrand, yeah, has been disappointing, and I know that Ryan Pulak has been, like, maybe like the most like super disappointing himself like I don't think that I think that the answer has to be Jordan Binnington here he's currently a free agent in tier one of the cupful and he's been like that for a while no one's jumped on him every like I think it's still definitely possible that after the all-star break he gets more run but it's like he's been bad when he's played and now he seems to have lost the net at least temporarily to Vili Husso so as a pick in the seventh round where you're trying to get your like solid reliable starting goal like people pick Binnington not even expecting like the most sterling numbers but at least like consistent starts a sure starter on the team it's kind of evaporated so to me he's the clear no star and then my all-star is going to just kind of repeat what i said in round six just take everything i said about rupe hints throw it on jason robertson his line mate who i guess it's an even better pick because it was around later i know he was injured missed a couple games and actually hints really stunk at the start of the season i wonder if it was like robertson uh, hurt which is what caused both pavelski and hints to have such slow starts to the year but as soon as robertson showed up just everything turned around so if you got him in the seventh round you were laughing especially because you were able to stash him in IR and try out some other players maybe get like a Lucas Raymond at a free agency early on instead of having to hold on to someone so to me it's pretty obvious Robertson is the star Bennington is the no star I'll be interested to hear if you have a different opinion I have a feeling you won't no Robertson is definitely the all-star from the round seven which saw like I was looking at the draft and trying to figure out why there were so many bad defensemen picked this round and this is like you know a last gasp at a deep run here where I think people were trying to find like a value second defenseman or maybe already building their third. Um, But Krug, fifth in the round, Giordano, 10th in the round, and Pulak, 14th in the round, all stand out as uh, unfortunate picks that have been frustrating. Krug less so than the other two. Uh, Elon, I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't have Bennington on my list, but I know he's burnt you hard. And uh, well, I'm he burned like, me hard in one league, but he was bur- he burned someone else hard in tier one of the couple who dropped him. I mean, yeah. if you have a, a, go- a player that was dropped again, like to me, like none of these other players, even Pulak hasn't been dropped in any of the yeah, leagues I'm in. Yeah, because you could pop him on IR and Krug hasn't been dropped and Giordano may or may not. By the way, can I give some kudos to Giordano? Because he was dropped in tier one of the cupful at one point, and for decent reason, like he had a really slow start to the year. I added him, and he's become like a fixture on my team. He's been great, actually. He has six points in his last eight games. The peripherals have picked up. The shots on goal have picked up. So for anyone who gave up on Giordano, 
you gave a gift to someone else because I think he's going to be a solid <laughs> solid piece rest of the year. Yeah. I'm not expecting six points every eight games, but I think at this point, he's definitely not a no-star. I think he's uh, really turned things around. I feel like this round overall has been like a lot of disappointments. Like you have Malkin who maybe came back later than you would have thought. You have a Trocek who didn't get the deployment we'd hoped, Bjorkstrand, Foley. Uh, anyway, we're not naming the, the mild disappointments. We're naming the big ones. I'll, I'll go with you on Biddington to be the add to the no-star team. But yeah, I, I feel like round seven is where defense petered out here and it really got dicey as people tried to grab like the last proven player. So for me, one lesson here is that maybe in the first six rounds is where I want to try and grab my top two defensemen. Yeah, I'm really like, I'm going to be interested if I have like fifth overall next year in Kakuffle, it might be hard or maybe not fifth, but, like seventh, you know, like Kale McCarr just becomes more and more appealing as it becomes like, so hard. Which is funny because def- coming into this season, we were just sort of moving off the strategy that we sort of uh, I think we had been big on for a while which is grab your number one D early on like use that first pick if you need to to grab your top defenseman and then we're like oh there's a bunch of top defensemen now you don't really have to and I still kind of think that way like Kale McCarr would be great but hey if I get Adam Fox in the third round again or Roman Yossi John Carlson I'm not uh, I'm not mad about it but I, th- I think you you need to get someone early yeah, you're not mad about that, but what if you grab uh, a Jeff Petrie or grab a Jacob Chikrin and you'll be fine. You don't need to grab Kale McCart early. Like, I feel like there's been a lot more grenades with these def- early defenseman picks that makes me scared. That just, like, give me the sure thing. Like, the top power play guy in Colorado, there's, like... I, I'll sell my house. I don't know. What, what, like, there's no way Kale McCarr falls off next year. I mean, whatever. I guess you could. I could imagine a scenario. Now I could talk myself into a scenario where, like, <laughs> no, no, Bowen I, Byram <laughs> takes over and, like, whatever. But you know what I mean? Like, it just seems like such a yeah. short thing as and opposed if you, to... if yeah. you look at Petrie and Shikrin, they're both on bad teams. And that, like, Shikrin somehow got bumped off the top power play, which we definitely didn't see coming. But maybe that's, maybe that's the lesson here, Elon, is if you're investing big in defense, avoid the players who are on like poor offensive teams yeah which is ryan pulak by the way in this round has been a total dud this year we'll see how he does now back from injury okay round eight we've got uh defenseman rasmus dalin who definitely would have uh, been a better pick than ryan pulak but it was by the same team actually <laughs> at the turn uh so rasmus dalin connor garland ryan ellis oh well that's a dud but he's missed time so i don't know i'll just give him a pass uh mark andre fleury i'm not gonna give a pass to philly though that was a bad uh uh, acquisition potentially because he's clearly has an injury history okay so let me start this over Dalene, garland ellis mark andre fleury sam bennett alex radulov Bo horvat ivan provorov nick suzuki claude Giroux, cole caulfield ryan strome jacob markstrom and then jack hughes at the end of the round uh yeah it's jack hughes right as the as the best pick it's I jack feel... hughes we were also yeah. talking about this on our on our false start <laughs> if you want to see it it's on our youtube channel keeping carlson on youtube you can probably find your way there uh, <laughs> but yeah jack hughes looks like a point per game superstar there's nothing wrong with anything in his numbers it's pretty exciting especially because he I mean he's playing with two guys who weren't drafted in most if any leagues Igor Sharangovich and Jesper Bratt and he has succeeded with both of them and that's not to say he is the reason that they're good this year because I think Bratt is legit good and I think Sharangovich is a solid complimentary player 
But it just speaks to how amazing Jack Hughes is that uh, both of those guys are doing as well as they have been. Uh, of course, I'm really bummed that it came without Thomas Tatar on the wing if we really want to go back to think about how we were feeling at the start of the season. But Jack Hughes is clearly the all-star of this group. A shout out to Jacob Markstrom, who, what, had five shutouts in his first seven games or something crazy like that. And Marc-Andre Fleury, who we said, like, we left Marc-Andre Fleury for dead earlier this season. We actually, maybe one of the worst pieces of, of advice we've ever given on the show was that you could drop Marc-Andre Fleury after the start that Chicago was having. Uh, he still hasn't been awesome. In fact, he's actually played poorly this season, worse than Jordan Bennington, if you're looking at uh, performance relative to expected save percentage. Uh, just above Martin Jones uh, is Marc-Andre Fleury, 44th out of 58 goalies who have played um, you know, at least 15 games or so. Uh, and he's down below... Uh, Aiden Hill, Vey Melka, Koskinen, Bennington, Montembeau, Aaron Dell. Dustin. Yeah, but this is for the whole season, right? When you're yeah. giving these numbers? Yeah, like, I so, mean, Fleury was like a different goalie. Like, I was like, I'll bet you if you throw out the first like 10 games after that, yeah. he's probably so much higher. Uh, I don't know about so much higher, but he, he's higher for sure. Like, I, I'm yeah. good to go there. Um, but uh, that I just want to at least sh- call us out for having said that. So, uh, Flurry, good job. Sam Bennett's been great. Mark Swim's been great. Some huge wins in round eight. Lots of booms and a couple busts, including I'll say the biggest bust here was Alex Radulov. Um, oh, he, yeah. and, he and Cole Caulfield are the two contenders here. And honestly, I don't really have a way to choose between them. Except that at least Cole Caulfield like has been injured in NA a lot this season. So if you could stash him, it's not quite as painful. But Radulov has given you no such luxury. He's just been bad night in, night out, and has like no daylight ahead of him for being a productive NHLer, which is so, so frustrating. Yeah, Radulov is completely done. Like, just forget about him for fantasy probably forever. Uh, Cole Caulfield, we'll see next year. I'm sure he still has a future ahead of him. So yeah, I'll give it to Radulov, especially since he was picked a little bit earlier. And yeah, Jacob Markstrom. The lesson with these goalies is that they're really hard to predict, right? I think you definitely want to get, like, a good starting goalie or two early. But, like, good luck picking it, right? Like, Markstrom or here Bennington went higher. Markstrom's clearly the better pick. Next year, it might flip. I don't know. But Markstrom is showing... Like, that was a really awesome pick, getting Markstrom so late in this round after so many goalies had already been off the board. In the next couple rounds, I'll just spoil it. You had Demko. You had Freddie Anderson. You had Cam Talbot. Like, there's at least one great goalie gem around for the next few rounds. Then over in round 13, we're in round 8 right now, there are four, three season-making goalies who were taken off the board. So like you said, Elon, it's like you want to make sure to get your goalie. I don't know how you... Like, I don't know that there is an actual strategic play aside from going ahead and drafting Vasilevsky or Shostyorkin uh, and like with one of your first two picks. I'm not sure how you really do that. Yeah, well, I guess we did some more goalies board. I guess we'll go back and listen to it and see how we did. I've always like been a little bit iffy on Bennington for what it's worth, but I don't know. I don't know if that counts for much. All right, next up, let's go to round nine here. So yeah, Demko started the round. Great pick, even though Vancouver hasn't been great, but he plays a lot. Uh, he's, he's clearly a really good goalie. He'll be even better once Vancouver figures things out. Okay, went Demko, Larkin, Tarasenko, Klingberg, Shen, Dominic Kubalik, Timo Meyer, Joe Pavelski, Mackenzie Wieger, Tony D'Angelo, Anders Lee, Car- uh, Carter Verhage, Linus Allmark, and Jakob Verana. So this round has some huge hits, right? Like, is this round nine? Like, I can't believe Pavelski, Meyer, Tarasenko, 
even Larkin. That, like, wow, that's a re- oh, and, and Tony D'Angelo, by the way, who scored again today, has just been such a like a big surprise. Like, what a great value pick on D. Like Brian, you were talking before, like two rounds ago, how it felt like D was like over and people were having to reach and grabbing like your like Ryan Pulak or whatever. Like, little did they know that uh, Ricard was going to grab Tony D'Angelo in round nine and have one of the I won't say one of the top goalies, but definitely like a top tier goalie, like good solid second goalie on your fantasy team. Uh, but I think the pick has got to be. I mean, stuff like Pavelski's been amazing, but do I really do three? Do we do three uh, Dallas, the whole top line? Or do you go Timo Meyer? To me, it's between uh, Pavelski and Timo Meyer for the pick here. So I'm just going to let you pick it. Okay. And I'm going to go with Timo Meyer, who has just had an amazing season. And I thought for sure, like he's on a 94 point pace. He's seeing two more minutes of ice than he was last season. And uh, of course, on the top power play with eight power play points in 41 games, which actually isn't that impressive. Like this is Timo Meyer in a nutshell. It's like, yeah, he has a 94 point pace and that's without the top line power play production that we would like to see from him. So there's actually room for him to do a little bit better. Uh, but I, I was expecting when looking at Timo Meyer's numbers to find at least one flag that what he's doing is unsustainable. And honestly, I can't. He has gotten better this year. Uh, he's taken more shots. He's uh, taking more shots from better places. Uh, I think it does definitely help that the team around him seems to have figured things out a little better than they had last season. Uh, but Timo Meyer right now has one of the highest on-ice expected goals rates in the league. He, You know, I said uh, Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane is uh, averaging two expected goals per 60 minutes. That's what Chicago's doing when Patrick Kane is on the ice. Timo Meyer on the ice, the Sharks are averaging three and a half expected goals per 60 minutes. And that's huge. They're actually scoring four goals per 60 minutes at five on five, which is huger. Uh, But Timo Meyer looking legitimate, like a 94 point player. And if that power play production steps up just a little bit, he's a legit look for a 100 point player which it makes me so happy to to say, right? Because we've been watching Meyer for years. Last year, he pays for just 47 points. It was a huge disappointment after a couple seasons where he had 70 and 60 point paces. Uh, we've just waited for him to get this top power play deployment. But not only has he taken that and used it to his advantage, but he's also stepped up his five on five game by a long shot. So that's why Timo Meyer is my all-star out of this crop, yeah, Demko, Tarasenko, Pavelski, D'Angelo, Timo Meyer is my boom. Uh, yeah, the big boom. I, I'll call him my all-star. And then my bust is between uh, Elon. I chose the, I chose the all-star, so you choose the no-star. Uh, the no-star candidates here are Dominic Kubalik on that terrible Chicago team and Anders Lee, who continues to just not look like his former cell who was capable of scoring goals, even in the context of being on the Islanders and how we decrease our offensive expectations there, still Anders Lee is looking worse than I thought he should to the point that, yeah, he's on my short list for a no-star here. Yeah, he's a, a reasonable shortlister, but it's got to be Kubalik, right? Like, he's just a free agent all over. The only time I see him rostered is when Chicago has a good scheduled. He's, like, not even a top sixer. I think he's down in the bottom six. At least Anders Lee, you can still have faith that he'll be able to get points on a given night since he's in a good spot, gets power play time. Yeah, he's not like, producing, but, like, Kubalik's not even really being given a chance. So, to me, like, he was a huge dud. Uh, that's, uh, I wonder what happens with Kubalik, like, moving forward in his career. Like, he had this, like, really promising start, 46 points in 68 games to start his career then last year he was like 
pretty similar, right? 38 points in 56 games. So two straight seasons around a 55-point pace. Obviously, that first season, it was like nothing and then exploding. A second season was just like a solid, consistent 55-point guy. And now he's become a nobody. But again, like you said, Chicago's been a train wreck. Another reason probably why Patrick Kane is not producing as much. Like, remember when Kubalik was like a key part of that power play? Now I don't even think Kubalik is on the power play. So... You know who Dud. you know who Kubalik is not an O star for? The who? the Yahoo Plus suggestion bot, <laughs> yeah. as Shams is pointing out in the chat that the only time uh, Shams sees Dominic Kubalik is when Yahoo Plus wants me to add him. Kubalik and Vitrano are like the the stars of Yahoo's eyes. Uh, <laughs> so don't don't go there. Listen as soon to as I added. As soon as I added Matthew Boldy, I think an alarm went off in Yahoo's office. It's like, wait, tell him to swap for Kubalik. What is he doing, this moron? <laughs> Every day. It's like, <laughs> why do you have Boldy? He wasn't even ranked. Kubalik, we ranked high. <laughs> uh, so yeah. that's round nine. Uh, Dominic, round 10. D- d- on to round 10. Elon, I've got a couple top end candidates here. You've got Jacob Truba, who's been really great uh, on the well, back. We should probably say the list. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was just jumping into it. Uh, Okay, I'll read the list this time. How about that? Uh, So starting at the top of round 10, we ended with uh, Jacob Vrana being picked at the end of round 9. So starting round 10, Heiskanen, Buchnievich, Jonathan Taves, Freddie Anderson, Andre Burakovsky, Carter Hart, Travis Konechny, Jared McCann, Victor Arvidsson, Nicholas Backstrom, Cal Peterson, Martin Nichas, Drake Batherson, and Jacob Truba. How about the end of round 10 there with Batherson and Truba going back to back almost in the 11th round? And uh, both of them could be the all-stars of round 10. In fact, I am going to go ahead and anoint Drake Batherson, the all-star of round 10. I remember, uh, you know, thinking in going into the season, yeah, 55, 60 point pace could be good. There's some chance of higher upside, but not huge. And then here he is on a 90-point pace with 34 points in 31 games, and a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it looking nice and sustainable, playing a huge role in Ottawa, two and a half minutes more a night uh, at five on five, pretty much all of that extra time is coming for Drake Batherson, and he just took a huge step forward in his age uh, 23 season, so way to go Drake Batherson for being uh, like on a 90-point pace, you don't find that in round 10 and beyond. In fact, you find uh, some duds like Jonathan Taves, who uh, to this point has the worst average uh, cupful points per game uh, of all the players we've mentioned in the first 10 rounds. And actually of all the players drafted up until the 13th round, Jonathan Taves has the worst uh, season long average fantasy points per game. So congrats to me for being the dummy that took Jonathan Taves and man, I felt excited about it. I actually took Taves in several leagues this year thinking, yeah, this is going to be good. And it wasn't. Um, so shame on me. So all-star Batherson, no star Taves, uh, honorable mention to Freddie Anderson. I also I already mentioned Jacob Truba, who's been great, but Freddie Anderson, uh, I'm going to continue that list of goalies playing above their expectation at five on five. Ville Husso, Jonathan Quick, Igor Shostorkin, remember that list? Freddie Anderson, right there and as a workhorse in Carolina too which we weren't sure was going to happen although we sort of had an inkling that Ronta wouldn't stay healthy but we also didn't know Anderson could stay healthy to his credit he has and he has played brilliantly some of the best hockey of his career so Freddie Anderson was a great get in the 10th round but I'm gonna add Drake Batherson to the all-star team (laughs) 
I mean, yeah, it's a good pick, except like there is the elephant in the room. Like Batherson is injured now for a while. So it was a great pick up until now when you had some really bad luck in the name by the name of Aaron Dell. Uh, the news came out today that Batherson might actually come back in April. Apparently he's already off his walking boot or whatever. So if he was dropped in your league and you've got some room in your IR and you're looking like you're going to be good to make it to the fantasy playoffs, there's a free like uh, Brian Com all-star that you can add and have ready for you. Uh, so definitely check out if he if he's available. I don't know. It's hard not for me to take Freddie Anderson with how he's been like one of the top goalies here. And he's also like still healthy and going. Like, I'm really impressed but with him. But we're not digging yeah. for injuries. So assume Batherson's still playing. Yeah. Well, anyways, I know my pick not. would be Freddie Anderson. <laughs> like, okay. I don't know. All right. Uh, I think and that's then the fair. No star- I'll do the slash yeah. thing for goalie slash skater. <laughs> and also Truba has been like such like again yeah. back to the conversation about defense like all of these guys we, like a bunch of these guys we've talked about like Truba and especially in the cupful with all the peripherals he's averaging over five cupful points per game which is like that's, that's great huge. for a forward that's like for yeah. a defenseman that's out of this world that's better than Tony D'Angelo who's like a point per game player in real life okay the no star in this round I went with uh, Natchez it's actually a pretty solid round like I don't think there's any real duds here Jonathan uh, Taves and- Elon Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Jonathan Taylor just missed him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How can- okay. I, How? When I looked through the first time, I guess I just like, I don't know, my eyes always, I'm used to seeing him in free agency and glossing over him. So I guess I did it when looking through this list. Yeah, you're right. Uh, after him, I think Martin Nietzsche is interesting. He's also someone that I'm, by the way, going to predict is going to have a better second half than his first half. So I just want to throw it out there. I think that he's, uh, you know, I, I don't see why he can't be like similar to what he was last year. He was on a call. He has an assist today in the game against Toronto for what it's worth in four shots. He had three shots in each of his last couple of games. So I don't know. It's just a hunch. I'll back you on that. Too much into it. If Natchez or Taves was gonna, if I had to pick one for the second half, uh, it would be Natchez. Frankly, if I had to pick anyone or Taves for the second half, it it might be just about anybody. Oh yeah, I definitely wasn't comparing him to Taves. Like without uh, compared to Taves, Martin Natchez is Jack Hughes, right? It's like uh, apples and oranges. Okay, next round here, uh, it went Cam Talbot to start, then Grubauer, Mike Smith. We got goalie run to start. Justin Falk. Mikhail Sergachev, Jared Spurgeon, son of D-Run, TJ Oshie, Tristan Jari. That was a really good pick for so late. Uh, Alec Martinez, Vince Dunn, Anthony Mantha, Eric Carlson, Philip Horonic, and Josh Norris. Uh, so this round like got really boring. Like, the last round was like all these Super exciting boring. games. Super <laughs> boring, yeah. There's been like some huge breakout 80 or 90 point player in the last several rounds. In every round, actually. And this round... Not so much. Like, I'm, I'm trying to justify Josh Norris or Eric Carlson. Uh, like, Talbot and Jari would both be, po- like, decent choices. But there's no, uh, there's no, there is no all-star in round 11. I think Jari has been, like, really a pleasant surprise, right? Especially, like, this late to get a goalie who's played so many minutes and has been, like, you know, as solid as he's been. He's got a 923 save percentage. I think Jari's the clear winner here. Like I want to yeah. say Eric Carlson. Like he like maybe if he didn't get injured, I don't know. But like he's been he's been having a great like season and I'm sad that he's hurt for a couple of months. And I know you're saying it, I don't know. But anyways, with the injury on my mind, even if I'm not supposed to have it on my it's like a jury, like being like, you know, don't pretend like you didn't hear that testimony. I'm striking that testimony. It's like I heard it. I've never been on a jury. I'm assuming it would be hard. But anyway, Tristan Jari is my pick here for yeah. the uh, all-star. It's got to be Jari or Carlson, right? Carlson's on a 65-point pace. Not all of it looking so sustainable, but the fact that we can feel like Eric Carlson is better than the 45, 50-point defenseman we feared he'd be this year is, is cause to celebrate. So way to go, Eric Carlson. But yeah, I think this is a, an easy round to take a goalie 
which means, you know, we can free ourselves up to take uh, Kyle Connor over UC Saros in an earlier round <laughs> Fair. if we choose to do uh, looking looking back. As for duds, um, you know, as much as there were a lot of, like, boring boring players who have turned out, like, okay, there, there weren't too many terrible players who've turned out just god-awful. Uh, Vince Dunn, I think, is uh, was a shot maybe worth taking at this point in the draft, but he has just not panned out at all. Uh, yeah, Vince- he's my easy pick. He's yeah. the one that's in free agency in all my leagues. Yeah, so there you go. 36-point pace, decidedly second power play time, uh, not doing anything special at all, which is a shame because St. Louis constantly wanted him to run their power play for whatever reason and in seattle uh clearly they don't feel the same way about vince dunn so he is the no star from round 11 which brings us elon to round 12 all right let's do it yeah obviously now as we get to the later rounds it makes more sense that we're gonna have duds like you don't want to feel maybe round 12 is still too early but we're getting to a point where like you should take some swings and it's fine to get a bad pick as long as you again replace them with one of those awesome undrafted players that we were talking about before uh, but okay round 12 we had pareko dumba varlamov jake muzzin brendan gallagher Chris Kreider, Jamie Benn, Tim Stutzla, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Jakub Voracek, Tom Wilson, Trevor Zegris, Devon Taves, and Andre Palat. Round out the round. It's me. It's easy. It's between two players, Chris Kreider and Evgeny Kuznetsov. And as awesome as Kuznetsov has been all season, how can you not give it to the NHL's leading goal scorer going into the All-Star break? I know that Matthews has already scored two goals today. I'm not sure if that's enough to overtake him. Uh, But... Kreider's just been insane, especially in the cupful. Like, the reason why we put Matthews over McDavid was because we score goals as worth more than assists. And so I think that Chris Kreider's points per game even beat out Kuznetsov as great as he's been. So I think it's an easy pick here for me, at least. Chris Kreider as the the star of the round here in round 12. What a pick. Chris Kreider's game log just littered with goals. It's crazy. He hasn't gone more than two games without scoring a goal since a stretch between December 8th and December 15th. Since then, he has scored uh, a goal, you know, every game or every other game or a couple times after two games of going goalless. Now we've talked about on the show how Chris Carter actually, even though he looks as good as he has been and seems incredibly consistent at an 82 point pace, that he might be a strong sell high candidate because of all those goals. Carter scoring on the power play, 17 power play goals. Uh, that's of his total 33 goals altogether, but 17 power play goals have come thanks to a 43% power play shooting percentage. And yes, Chris Kreider is in a good spot on the power play to, you know, put away the trash and be be up close and have some really high percentage shots. But as we've said on the show, there's nowhere in the NHL where you should be, where you can sustainably be shooting uh, with 43% success. So that's why Chris Kreider uh, is absolutely the all-star of this round. But if you are looking for another sell high candidate he would fit the bill as one and then as for the no stars uh brendan gallagher has been super disappointing jake muzzin has also been like unrosterable i might even go jake muzzin as the no star just because like as low as our expectations were for muzzin like he stopped doing anything of consequence like cold turkey it was very frustrating uh, as somebody who invested in him in one league so uh, yeah so I, i got burned there it wasn't in this one um, but in another one for sure, Brendan Gallagher. To me, it's Gallagher. To be honest, at least Muzzin gives you peripherals. Like Gallagher has been Muzzin like, barely you gives you peripherals him. this year, though. Like it, it's yeah. like he stopped. He stopped shooting. Uh, he's 
barely blocking. Like, neither of these guys are doing anything. They're equal, yeah. no stars. I guess it's a sad debate to have. Uh, <laughs> Gallagher, though, also maybe is more disappointing just because he hadn't been below a 50-point pace for, like, the past four seasons. Uh, and now this year. And last year, if you recall, in the playoffs, he totally disappeared. And it kind of seemed like Montreal was rolling, like, this, like, top line that was doing all the offense. And the other lines, I guess, were for cleanup or something. And now this year, I was, like, a little bit worried about Gallagher. And it, it didn't turn out that Montreal, like, had some super high-scoring line. Like, no one was scoring for a lot of the season. Now, actually, with Toffoli back, uh, he and Suzuki are looking good together. But, uh, yeah, Gallagher, nothing. Like, he's just, like, disappeared. And Montreal just signed him. Like, I... That's a crazy contract, right? Like, isn't he locked in for like six years at six point five million per year? Yeah, that's not yeah. looking good right now. Yeah, now he, he got the contract to Chicago is not going to give to Dominic Kubalik when he becomes a, an RFA after this season, and uh, also Gallagher has a no, a, a no movement clause in that contract, and he has a six team no trade list. Also. I mean, if you're going to use, if you're going to sign the guy, you got to use him to his strengths, which are, you know, he can play high event hockey and he can be defensively responsible. And I don't feel like he's really been given the chance to strut his stuff this season for one reason or another. Montreal is just another one of those teams. that's a disaster. Elon, I'm with you. I'm, I'm good to just name Gallagher the no star from round 12 and move on to round 13 where, yeah, holy but, cow. What? Wait, speaking of holy cow, Brian, breaking news, not good news. Apparently, Austin Matthews is down what? in this game against Carolina. Okay, how breaking is this? Like, has it happened, like, literally this second? Wait, are you saying I shouldn't have interrupted you? Well, I'm just saying, like, you know, everything always looks bad in the exact moment it happens. Well, I'll keep reading what people are saying in the chat here. Adam's a knee in the back of the head while down on the ice, skated on his own to the dressing room, straight to the room. He's down the tunnel. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. He's off the ice. He's down the tunnel. What, what can we say? I don't know. Concern. Maybe I shouldn't have interrupted you, but I, I found it very shocking and thought it was <laughs> okay. worth uh, mentioning. Well, in any case, uh, okay, no, I'm saying on to round 13, where, holy cow, yeah, that's the holy cow, G- like goalies who have made people seasons. Like, I, I, I'll have to check um, the standings, but I'm pretty sure anyone who scored a goalie in this round is having a pretty nice season in this cupful division. So round 13 from the top, Logan Couture, Nico Heeshear, Sergei Bobrovsky, Rasmus Ristolainen, Carey Price, Jack Campbell, John Gibson, Sam Girard, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Matt Murray, Ilya Samsonov, Ilya Sorokin, Max Comtois, and Elvis Merzlikin. So huge goalie run in this round with some clear hits and misses. But how can you not give the all-star here well I, I guess it's between Bobrovsky and Jack Campbell I'm kind of like neither guy was someone we were sure was going to carry the load all season long that they you know Bob had Knight nipping at his heels and Campbell had Morazic in case he got injured or maybe even nipping at his heels if he wasn't consistent I'm not sure how to choose between these two guys as the all-star of the round though Elon uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois by the way I'll just give the honorable mention now strong season looks good Looks really good. So way to go, Pierre-Luc Dubois. But if I can add one of these guys to my team, I'm definitely taking Bobrovsky or Campbell. Elon, can you help me decide? 
Yeah, take Bobrovsky because like the backup in Florida, Spencer Knight has not worked out to be the challenge that we thought he would be. So Bobrovsky is really playing a huge bulk of the games. I think we've heard news, like obviously Morozik was injured for a lot of the first half of the year, but we've heard news that Morozik is scheduled to play a lot of games in the second half. They want to keep Campbell rested. So I think definitely moving forward, I would rather have Bobrovsky. Also Florida just, well, like Toronto's really good too. But uh, I think if I had to pick one, I would take Bobrovsky over Jack Campbell just because I expect more starts. And I think Florida, I don't know, I just really like Florida. I'm wearing a Florida hat, so I had to use that also as a tiebreaker. Okay, I'm good with that. And then a no-star here, I think, is super clearly Max Comtois, who has six points in 28 games, actually playing fewer minutes than he was last season. And people, you know, liked Comtois for his hits. He has 46 hits in 28 games this season, which is not enough to roster if you're looking for someone to just contribute hits. I remember at the start of the season, a lot of people were high on him, and I'm not at all knocking that right now. I want to be super clear um, because we know he has potential for some big hit, big shot games, and it would be nice if the points came with that. Uh, But I remember asking at the start of the season, like, what's the hype when we were drafting? What's the hype around Comtois? Why is everyone so like, can someone explain to me? Because I wasn't following. And like, everyone made their case. And I was like, okay, like, I'm still not 100% sure. But on an Anaheim team where so many players have taken off, and Comtois isn't one of them, I think he's, he's the clear no star here. I don't think he's had one fantasy relevant stretch all season. Yeah, well, unfortunately, when everyone was really taking off, he was out of the lineup. And by the time he came back, everyone had kind of slowed down. Brian, okay, now can I say it? Like, they're they're in OT, and Matthews is not on the ice. This is serious. People are probably freaking out right now. If you have Austin Matthews, you're screwed. We just named him the number one all-star in the first round. Uh, Good luck. I don't even, I'm trying to think of a fantasy impact to throw out there. I'm just going to be skies falling here. Okay, well, it's Uh, bad for Bunting. Yeah, bad for Marner. Yeah, except Bad Marner can probably survive it. Sure. I Who's guess. it good it's nice for? When he could Jason pass. Spezza? Good. Yeah, maybe Spezza gets on the top power play. That always happens. Yeah, grab Jason Spezza for the next Leaf game. He seems to always do well when he gets on the top power and play. And maybe, like, I'm trying to look. Like, you know, we always think of Toronto as being so stacked and full. But if you're looking for another centerman to step into a top six role, I don't know. Does Alex Kerfoot move up to play on the top line? To center Marner and Bunting, which gives uh, like a Andre Kasha or Mikhaev a chance to be on the Tavares Nylander line. Maybe. Okay, so we'll have to see. Anyways, yeah. but but we got Ben and Lewis doing a show tomorrow okay, for short okay. shifts, so they'll they'll cover it. By the way, uh, Marner did just score an overtime goal, <laughs> even without Matthews I'm, on the ice. Okay, obviously a three on three is not the same as a, yeah. All right, let's, let's get, keep up the play by play on what there surely will be more news available on by the time this is released. Man. Brian, I thought I'm the director of content. (laughs) You have to let me decide what we're going to talk about. Okay. Okay. Uh, Can I make another quick comment on round 13, even though we want to move on? But Matt Murray for the Sens, who is obviously like was a bust pick compared to some of these other guys you've talked about. uh, Four straight games now where he's had like a sterling save percentage. He's won three of those, lost one in OT. He just got the win today against New Jersey. Um, We're definitely at a point where I think if Matt Murray's in your free agency, grab him. Like, He's he's on a hot run. He might be a volume goalie for the rest of the way. He might get injured the second you add him. But I'm at the point now where if he was available, I, I I'm sad that I didn't add him in any in any of my leagues. Like I feel like he's really gotten on a run, and who knows? Maybe he's figured things out. I don't. I'm not saying I believe in him totally, but I'm saying that I would definitely take a shot on him if I needed a goalie. And even if not, I'd probably just grab him. Yeah, so. he's uh, he's in the same category. You talked about Craig Anderson. Uh, on the show with Scott Cullen. And I think Matt Murray's in a similar category, except he does not have anyone challenging him. 
I mean, there is Anton Forsberg, who maybe the Suns will showcase to try and trade for like a second or third round pick towards the deadline. But Matt Murray, like if he wants it, he can have it. Whereas Craig Anderson has it until Uko Pekaluokunen is healthy, at which point we'll see exactly how they manage things. All right. Round 14. Okay. Went. Oliver Ekman Larson, dud. Okay. Kasperi Kapanen, dud. Tomas Shatar, dud. Cam Atkinson, freaking amazing. <laughs> Ricard Raquel, dud. Matthias Ekholm, dud. Blake Coleman, dud. Noah Hannafin, dud. Ellie Tolvanen, dud. William Carlson, dud. Jaden Schwartz, pretty much a dud. Now he's injured. Tyler Johnson, huge dud because everyone was so excited about him. JVR, dud. And Joel Farabee, dud. So this one's pretty easy. <laughs> Cam Atkinson. Cam Atkinson is the only good pick in this round. Uh, and everyone else <laughs> could be the no star. That's my take on round 14. So good job to so the problem is filthy animal might've dropped Cam Atkinson. Cause he actually had a slow stretch. Like I got him in free agency in tier one of the couples. I don't even know if he's been held all season, but man, this guy just keeps it going. He's now got five points in his last three games. Uh, he's taken like all the shots that I love. It's like a three shot game. It's like a down game for Cam Atkinson lately. Cause he's like three is the minimum. Then every once in a while he gives us a four or five or six. Uh, he's, he's having a great, year he like, he's already yeah he's he the is. best and i can confirm that mike who drafted him has held him the entire season which must have been painful at times uh, and to mike's credit he's in a pretty good spot in the league standings too uh i'm just pulling them up yeah mike sits uh in a three-way tie for fourth uh with fourth fifth and sixth. a couple games up on the nearest playoff competitors so way to go mike for holding atkinson and yeah just basically getting a free top end free agent once atkinson has stepped up the way he has we've talked elon you've brought him up a lot i think every week on the show and i'm like saying yeah more and more data saying he's actually gonna keep doing the thing he's doing and he is still doing the things he's doing so way to go cam atkinson for being relevant it is hard to pick a like a no star from this group, but I think it's uh, it's pretty easy for me, actually. I'm just going to say Tyler Johnson. Nobody here has been as awful and as irrelevant all season long as Tyler Johnson. <laughs> I mean, Thomas Tatar, I think... Uh, like Tyler Johnson at least got injured, so you were able to like get rid of him quickly. <laughs> Thomas Tatar, you may have like held. Like, you drafted him, Brian. How long did you hold yeah. on to Tatar after you drafted him? Oh, uh, I can find out. Too well, long. Like, yeah. Is so, the yeah, there you go. It's like at yeah. least if you would have drafted Taijo, you could have moved on sooner. <laughs> right. So okay, you know what? I am. Uh, I'm convinced. Let's see. I dropped. I dropped Tatar eleven days. Oh, like no, very early October sixteenth. Oh, I dropped, That's because it's yeah. New Year, New Brian. Yeah, it. that was New Year, New Brian. And then he was added by two other teams like in the next couple months. Yeah. Uh, so Tomas Tatar, I will make him the no star. There you by go. By the way, I was probably mean. Like Blake Coleman has kind of turned it on. He's not a dud. I'm not saying like Blake Coleman was like an amazing pick. but You were on a roll saying the word dud. It was uh, feeling good. I, was I, I appreciate what you needed to do. <laughs> okay, round 15. Uh, let's do this. I'm happy to see that Jesper Bratt was drafted. That was a good pick. I did Team Skugan end up holding on to Jesper Bratt? I can't imagine, right? He was. No. I remember at one point I was recommending to you to add him out of your free agency. So obviously he wasn't held for very long, but he's been. He's probably the star. But let's go through this round here. So Kirby Doc, uh, Jesper Bratt, Joel Erickson X, Spencer Knight, Petter Morazic, Mackenzie Blackwood, Clayton Keller. Oh, Clayton Keller. So okay, Mike Hoffman, Marco Rossi. Well, okay. I'm not going to count Marco Rossi. He got sent to the minors. That was a swing. Okay. Patrick Hornqvist, Sean Monahan, Jordan Eberly, Philip Zadina, and Jamie Drysdale. Uh, yeah, let me see what I wrote here. I wrote Brat. I think it could be between Brat and Clinton Keller. Like, who's me your pick too. between the two? I, I think I'm, I'm going to go with Brat 
as the all-star and it might not be as much for his fault. Like I think Keller has been the more consistently performing player the whole way through, but I'm going to go with Brett, you know, if I'm compiling an all-star team, just because he's playing with Jack Hughes. So for fantasy purposes, uh, that excites me. So uh, it, yeah, it, it's not a totally fair way to decide who's uh, who's on the all-star team. Like, I actually kind of want to lean Keller, but I'll I'll just go Brad, because I feel like you might give me a hard time otherwise. <laughs> no, it'll be fine. But uh, I think rest of the season, I would probably... Well, the thing is, Clayton Keller takes more shots. I think they, they, they both deserve a spot. They were both, yeah. like, huge value. But the thing is, both of them also had slow stretches. I don't, like, they were both, like, good both picks of them if were you held definitely, on. Yeah, they were definitely dropped. And uh, that's a theme coming through a lot of these late rounds. Like, there's... there's I don't know. I didn't do the math. But there's got to be, for anybody drafted... Uh, round even 13 or 14 beyond, like 80% turnover for for forwards. For defensemen and goalies, less so, but still plenty. Um, so a lot of this is just about holding them, drafting them, and hoping they got out to a great start, or adding them at the right time. These are more like the free agent all-stars than the draft round all-stars. Yeah. So yeah, you've got Brat standing out. And then uh, on the as the no-star, Brat and Keller standing out as the all-stars, and then as the no-star... I've got Zadina and Doc as the most disappointing players. Uh, like Doc is easy. Like we have, like we essentially have the Chicago Blackhawks on our no star team. Yeah, Chicago so, and Montreal. Yeah, so I don't know if I want to diversify and just say Zadina because of it. But uh, Kirby Doc, what a I, you know what I'm going to say, Kirby Doc, because there has been opportunity for a top line center to step up and do something, and Kirby Doc has not answered that call. Whereas in Detroit. Zadina, you know, if you're off the first line, then you're nowhere. So there's really not much for him to do. Yeah, I think like in terms of like what was the worst pick of the round, if I was thinking of it in terms of that thing, which isn't exactly what we're saying, but like I would like give a pass for like Zadina, Drysdale, Doc. Like, you took a swing on a young player. One player that like jumps out to me, I think is just interesting, is like Sean Monahan, just by like how far he's fallen in like going from being a star fantasy asset. Just like in 2018-19, he had 82 points in 78 games, followed that up with only 48 points in 70s. That went down to a 56-point pace. Then last year, 46-point pace, and now he's on a 37-point pace. This is a guy at only 27 years old has like like how, do you, how does this happen like it's not like he's been injured he's had a 15 year like career trajectory happen in four <laughs> yeah like which he is, just went from a star I, to nothing i don't think he's a bad swing to take in round 15 sandwiched between patrick hornquist and jordan aberley like i think it was worth checking him out and giving him a week the same way it was you know tomash tatar the round before or jesper brad earlier this round but uh yeah He's uh, he'll he'll go undrafted next season for sure. Another bad pick, by the way, that we can just mention Spencer Knight. Uh, he did not, you know, end up playing a whole lot in the yeah. first half of the season, and we don't expect to see him a whole lot more in the second half. But this is where we are in the draft, right? Everyone's taking swings, trying to hit those high upside picks. So, uh, congrats to everybody for shooting your shots. Uh, I'm going to yeah. keep Kirby Doc on the no-star team. That's fine. I think at this point, honestly, the no-star team doesn't really matter anymore because it's like, yeah, late rounds. I think, but that speaking of t- shooting your shot, there's someone who shoot, shot a shot in this round and hit big time. Woo. Let's see if you can catch the name as I go through here, okay? So uh, the round started round 16 with Alexis Lafreniere, then Alex Nijelkovic, who actually isn't the player I'm thinking of, but like he's been really good, especially like, you know, considering you waited so, so long and you still get like a starting goalie who's been solid. So that, that's a good pick. Okay, so Lafreniere, Nijelkovic, Victor Olafson, Nazem Kadri, Kako Kako, Noah Dobson, Alex Killorn, Chandler Stevenson, Jack Roslovic, uh, Casey Middlestat, 
Vasily Podkolz and Igor Sharangovich, Anthony Sorelli, and Matt Grizzlick. Did any name jump out from this list as being I, someone that was quite a steal in round 16? I like your attempt at being casual about it. Like you were trying so hard to be casual that you weren't casual when you said Nazem Kadri, who, by the way, is someone I have drafted for years in fantasy. Like years. I always get him in the in the late rounds because no one ever feels that interested in him. And last year, after his 47-point pace campaign which seemed too low i thought i could sneak him later and uh i couldn't so uh congrats that's a that's another filthy animal pick by mike so way to go mike for nabbing nazem kadri in round 16 of 18 that's super late in the draft and uh that's a very easy all-star pick with a 120 point pace for nazem kadri which yes is a little high, but he has held his spot on the top power play for a large part of the season, and he's making the most of it. This is something he did not have consistently last season, uh, but he has it this year, and holy cow, is he destroying on the power play. He's pacing for 38 power play points (laughs) this season, which means he's still pacing for 80 points off the power play, which is still incredible. And uh, honestly, he's earned a lot of those points, uh, also by virtue of playing the most minutes he's ever seen in his career, over 19 minutes a night, which uh, he's never seen more than 18 minutes a night on a regular basis. And that happened just one season in Toronto. Every other season was like between 16 and 17 minutes. So Nazem Kadri, huge season, huge win in round 16. Yeah, here's the crazy thing. Now we're going to get to round 17. And oh, wait, we have to do a no star, whatever. There's a bunch. No, of we're going to skip. You're right. We're going to skip the no stars. The rest okay. of the way. Remember when we were in round 11 and we read it through and it was like, this is all like kind of like boring people for the most part. We ended up picking Tristan Jari ahead of Eric Carlson. And like, yeah, yeah. Jari was really good. You know, like all these players got picked in this round that were nothing special. Now we have uh, round 16, Nazem Kaji. Check out round 17. There's a couple of names here that really jump out. Uh, so here, here are the picks. And then obviously a lot of duds. Uh, Nils Hoaglander, Keith Yandel, Jordan Cairo. Uh, Riley Smith, Nick Ritchie, Jeff Carter, Jordan Stahl, Yanni Gourd, Matt Zuccarello, Anton Hudovin, Tyler Bertuzzi, Phil Kessel, Bowen Byram, Carter Hutton. I'm going to say right away, Carter Hutton is the no star, even Easy though we're not no doing star. this anymore. <laughs> yeah, we have to we have to give <laughs> Carter Hutton full credit for having a negative cupful fantasy point average points per game this season. I just saw a tweet today that he's skating like he was skating before an Arizona game. Can Good you imagine if he plays again? That that's great. I like you know what it would be such a sad note to end your NHL career on and I feel like this happens for goalies, right? This is how goalie careers end. You get in the net, you can't do it anymore. You have a one really bad start or a few really bad starts whether you've played, you know, a thousand games as a goalie or you've played 10 games as a goalie. It's a really sad and undignified end to an NHL, like the, the the achievement of having an NHL career. So I hope Hutton gets back in, has a couple good games and can ride off into uh. the sunset after that. But I am not counting on it. I would not stream him onto my roster for those games. So Carter Hutton is the clear no star here after we decided we're not naming no stars. There's no way to avoid Carter Hutton. 
Yeah. Okay. But the star here is, I think, Zuccarello. And like definitely Bertuzzi's had an awesome year and Jordan Cairo's had a really good year. Uh, but man, Zuccarello over a point per game. Like who had this on their bingo card, right? 42 points in 35 games for a guy that, like a couple seasons ago we were making fun of or like a lot of people were making fun of as like being a really bad signing by I think Paul Fenton. Like what are you thinking? Now all of a sudden, I wonder if Kaprizov like loves playing with Zuccarello. I, I don't know. It's just like Zuccarello, I don't, it's hard to say like how much is just because he's playing with Kaprizov. But, like it doesn't even matter for fantasy right like he's been amazing point per game i don't see any reason why he won't keep it up i think caprizov is going to be a 100 plus point guy and zuccarello will be there like a 80 ish point guy and just a huge steal for jeeves here in round 17 but but tyler bertuzzi also by the way we should say because he had we were also worried about him it's like a tony d'angelo light kind of like you know it was like we saw that tyler bertuzzi didn't want to get vaccinated like oh he's not going to play in games in canada and like i think that's a big reason why he fell he was also injured the year before but you know don't look now at 40 points and 30 nine games so he's basically pacing similar to zuccarello i think it's a coin flip but they're both amazing picks in round 17 yeah between cadre and zuccarello and bertuzzi and i'll like kairu's in there but not on the same level as those guys to find three point per game players in two of the final three rounds of the draft is mad like that's you know you don't win at the draft but that's one way you can really help your chances of winning your league at the draft. So, uh, yeah, congrats to anybody who got Zuccarello that late. I think he was probably plucked out of free agency in more leagues than he was drafted in. And he is absolutely, you know, if he gets stapled to Kaprizov, and why wouldn't he be? Which is bad news, by the way, for Joel Erickson Egg, who was drafted a few rounds before this. Uh, so way to even take that swing on Zuccarello, thinking maybe he was going to be the the other wing on that top line. And sure enough, Zuccarello's there as the center in round 17, which brings us, Elon, to the final round of our cupful Tier 2 Ottawa uh, all-star and no-star draft. And one observation before you read the names is that uh, it's funny. We've talked about how hard it was to find defensemen, and there are three in round 18 who have been rosterable more or less all season long. Yeah, I guess it's just really tricky. Like when you think about draft strategy. So what's the takeaway then? You can wait, but also you want to get, I don't know. I, we're going to have to the, think about this. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Like I, I want to believe there is a strategic takeaway from this. Maybe there is. And we'll, Tweet we'll, us. Have, to, we'll have to keep <laughs> thinking. If, yeah, if you're finding a takeaway, we'd love to hear it. I just feel like, you know, fantasy when it comes down to it, like, like hockey of all the major sports is the one that is based the most on luck, which means that fantasy hockey is also going to carry with it a considerable considerable amount of luck. And I just feel like that's what's happened here. Okay. Yeah. So let's do the round. Let's read yeah. the names. So first was Andrew Manchipani, who was a really good pick for a long time. Like maybe he hasn't kept it up, but definitely I'm sure helped the person who drafted him uh, win the first few matchups. So definitely don't want to discount that. Uh, then Swayman, who now all of a sudden with Tuka Rask on the shelf, apparently he's not going to play it all this week. Brian, I don't want to do a victory lap or anything here, but we were kind of saying on the podcast, like not to fall over yourself to grab Tuka Rask. And uh, obviously we couldn't predict an injury, but it's not like he's been so amazing. Anyways, whatever. I hope I hope he comes back and I hope he's fine. But all of a sudden now, like Jeremy Swayman becomes interesting in fantasy again. I think he's already scheduled to get tomorrow's start. So if you're listening to this, check and see if you can grab Swayman if you need a spot start and maybe longer because he's had a really good year when he has been playing. Uh, then you've got Kyle Palmieri, who was a total dud. He's like a 
kind of like a Sean Monaghan, right? Like someone who like at one point was really good and now has just totally become a nothing nobody. Like forget about him. That was your pick, by the way. Uh, hopefully you dropped him quickly. Yeah, I felt awful. I still feel awful about that pick because of some of the names that went after him. Like Jesse Pugliarvi, I thought I like I should have. He was high. Anyway, whatever. Keep going. Okay, keep going. Now we're going to get some of these good defensemen. So Shane Gossespeher, who has 28 points in 45 games. Power play one, no one expected that. Connor Murphy, who's actually come on recently with some really good peripherals. Uh, but obviously, he's not one of the, these huge defensemen in this round. So far, Gossespeher. Oh, they Ben Bishop. That's obviously a bust, but worth a shot. Uh, Josh Morrissey has been pretty blah. Then Moritz Sider. You could have had Moritz Sider in the last round. What a pick. Then Beauvillier, Pugliarvi, Tomasino, and then Evan Bouchard. Wow. Then Christian Dvorak and Pavel Francouz. Yeah, like you said, three really stud defensemen in Bouchard, Sider, and Gossesbear. Two of them rookies. Oh, I guess Bouchard. I don't know if Bouchard, he's not a rookie, but two of them, like new players, I guess people were smart to just take a shot and it worked out really well. And then Gossipaher, who was kind of like a new player in terms of he was in a new situation, which is really uh, fitting well for him. So uh, yeah, really interesting to see the value. It's really fun going through this draft. Uh, and I again, maybe just to finish this off, again, top undrafted skaters. I'm going to give you the, I'll give you like a top 10 or something of players by a couple points per game, not including players who have played like less than 10 games. Okay. So we've got Alex Tuck, Matt Duchesne, Mason Marchment. <laughs> yeah, I guess just from that, those couple games, it's like shot him up the list like crazy. Matthew Boldy, Ryan Hartman, Nishushkin, Ilya Mikhaev, Troy Terry, Boone Jenner, Duclair, Tage Thompson. I feel like I'll stop when there's someone that like Rodriguez, Nelson, Marcus Felino, Adrian Campe, Barbashev, Andrew Kopp, I follow Skinner. Like it's a really long list of really good players that went undrafted. And then as far as top undrafted goalies, Brian, you brought up Jonathan Quick and his great save percentage. I guess he's kind of slowed down recently, but he was obviously a great free agent pickup earlier in the year. James Reimer. I think he could also still have a strong second half once he's fully healthy. Uh, then Koskinen has had a lot. This is just ordered by a total couple of points because with goalies, you want to have volume. And obviously he's benefited from Mike Smith being out of the lineup. Vemelka, uh, Vanacek, who could be, re- like, he's injured again, unfortunately. Uh, Braden Holtby also was good for a while. So yeah, some, some decent goalies, but definitely the skaters that were undrafted really jump out at me. Uh, but anyways, I guess I didn't even let you talk about round 18. Did you want to talk about any of those defensemen there? <laughs> No, I'm just going to name Evan Bouchard as the all-star of the group. You know, even though he wasn't on, like he hadn't yet worked his way onto the top power play unit, uh, he was still doing a lot in the peripheral categories. And yeah, he's on a team that scores a pile of goals and he was getting in on enough to be the one who uh, averaged the highest couple fantasy points per game of this group. So Evan Bouchard is going to be my all-star. And uh, yeah, there's no need for a no-star here. Although I will say that, I, I think Kyle Palmieri is the one who put him like, in. Was 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 supposed to be somewhat steady. Like, yeah, I could say Philip Tomasino, who didn't end up like hasn't really ended up playing. Christian Dvorak hasn't done anything at all. But Kyle Palmieri is the one guy who I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Elon was I dumb to think in round eighteen that Kyle Palmieri could be like some kind of steadyish fantasy presence. I just remember at the time we were seeing quotes from Trotz being like, it's either going to be Palmieri or Wallstrom that's on the top line with Lee and Barzal. And we're going to try both yeah. of them. And so it and seemed like, oh. first line talk. But first line, and, and it turns out that it doesn't Who matter. Cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't, regardless of your deployment in New York uh, for the Islanders, you're in trouble. So I'm not going to add him because we're not doing no stars here. Uh, if I did, I would have had two of the last four no stars drafted. And that's uh, that's kind of a parable for my draft. Thanks, everybody, for listening to our all-star and no-star fantasy hockey drafts. Uh, this, this concludes our all-star festivities. I'll recap the all-star team. 
uh, well, Austin Matthews was the first player on it. He's still there. Kel McCarr, and this is going in order. So uh, from round one to round 18, the best player from each round, Austin Matthews, Kel McCarr, Kirill Kaprizov, Kyle Connor, Igor Shostyorkin, Rupe Hintz, Jason Robertson, Jack Hughes, Timo Meyer, Drake Batherson, Tristan Jari, Chris Kreider, Sergei Bobrovsky, Cam Atkinson, Jesper Bratt, Matt Zuccarello, and Evan Bouchard. Can you imagine if you got to draft that team? That'd be so fun. Uh, I did not draft that team. In fact, I drafted several of the no-stars who are in order beginning in round one. Patrick Kane, Braden Point, Leas Pedersen, Jeff Petrie, Sean Couturier, Taylor Hall, Jordan Bennington, Alex Radulov, Dominic Kubalik, Jonathan Taves, Vince Dunn, Brendan Gallagher, Max Comtois, Tomas Tatar, Kirby Doc, and Carter Hutton. Ouch. Yeah. Ho- hopefully you ended up with more of those top guys. This has been a lot of fun, Brian. I've been enjoying uh, going through all these lists with you and a little bit of a non-standard Keeping Carlson episode. Uh, but never fear, everyone. We're, we're ready to go to get you through the final stretch of the season into your fantasy playoffs. Uh, so Ben and Lewis will be hitting you up with a short shifts tomorrow night. I guess that'll be out then for you Wednesday morning with all the news from today's and tomorrow's games. Uh, then they'll do another show Thursday night as per usual. And then Brian will be back in the saddle to talk about all the latest NHL action next Sunday on our next mega show so I'm really looking forward to it again thanks everyone for listening hope you enjoyed this show if you want to support us you can give us a five star review on iTunes we always appreciate that I know every podcast says that so whatever we're saying it too okay we, we wouldn't mind uh, we also have a Patreon where we have a really fun community if you want to come aboard join our Discord ask for fantasy advice questions get in on the fun conversations talk about who you picked in the Tim Hortons challenge and uh, everything else so if you're interested in that and some other perks also you can read all about it at keepingcarlson.com slash patron but with that brian let's cue the outro music why don't you go ahead and read us the credits and uh, we'll go head out of here and go check on twitter and see what's going on with austin matthews all right this episode of the keeping carlson fantasy hockey podcast was presented by dauber hockey and powered by our patrons especially our super supporters patty rob david Derek, jake tom andrea christopher and flash thank you all Thanks to our Couple coordinator, Kevin A. Bear, for keeping things running smoothly with our co-commish team as well. And thank you, Shams Benamore, for keeping the amazing stream of fantasy news rolling on three essential Twitter accounts for anybody who wants to win their league. At Game Day Lines, at Game Day News NHL, and at Game Day Goalies. Logo art by BrandonWeave.com, outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Natural Stat Trek, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Biz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, NBC Sports Edge, and of course, Yahoo! Yahoo, Brian. This was a lot of fun. And like I said, a lot of good shows coming up on our feed. Make sure you're subscribed to Keeping Carlson wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, And Brian, I guess I'm just going to have to wait another week before I get to chat with you about what's going on in hockey and what should I do while I wait. Let's keep doing all we can to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone.